get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's seven o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. And officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Dan McLaughlin worked late last night, came home to some sick kids, so he's going to be in at 10. And Michelle Smallman actually did go to the dentist yesterday. It wasn't a job interview, as I accused her of. And so she is here, and she's kind of smiling. Uh, if you didn't believe me, Randy, I have the swollen face <laughs> yeah, to now. prove it after I got <laughs> dental work yesterday. So no job interview for me. Actually went to the dentist. But try not to make me laugh today because I look weird when I laugh. And here's the thing. Today, this is perfect because Michelle has been told by the dentist that she can't eat anything harder than a hamburger during the course of the 4th of July weekend, which means a lot of Fourth of July red, white, and blue smoothies. Yes. Which will be good. A little strawberry, a little grape, maybe a little uh, blueberry. I was thinking potato salad might work. Mash it go. down. Just make sure that it's palatable for mm-hmm. my, my sensitive mouth these days. But really bad planning on my part, though, to be going to a bunch of barbecues and have mm-hmm. great Fourth of July yeah. food available and not be able to eat it. Well, We've got something for you. We've got an idea. Okay. 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 We're going to talk to Jay Delsing, talk golf with him, 4th of July golf at the bottom of this hour. At 8 o'clock, Mike Johnson of Sugar Fire and of the High Point Drive and Best Burger in Town, in my opinion. Yes. He's going to join us to tell us how to make the perfect 4th of July burger on the grill. Love it. And we're also going to talk to Joe Micheletti about the Stanley Cup playoffs and George Sedano of ESPN about the NBA playoffs coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. But we start off with... It's happened a lot this year. A cardinal loss to the Rockies, 5-2. Yeah. to Doesn't it kind of feel like Groundhog's Day? Kind of does. Where somehow, some way, the Cardinals find a way to lose. <laughs> yeah. And we talked yesterday about the return of Nolan Arenado to Colorado, and he had a long press conference with both the St. Louis and Denver media before the game and was hoping that Colorado fans would still like him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the true baseball fans out here understand what I did. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing it, and I think they appreciate that because I've worked really hard to try to do those things for them and uh, for the Rockies. And after a long rain delay in the top of the first inning, he stepped to the plate, and those baseball fans showed up at Coors Field. Number 28,
Great job by the Denver fans. A one-minute standing ovation for Arenado. It brought him to tears. He wound up popping out in his first couple of at-bats. And then the game really started. Cardinals scored a run in the second, a run in the third. They're up by a score of uh, one to nothing in the top of the second. But the Rockies scored two in the bottom of the second. Cardinals scored one to tie it in the third. Adam Wainwright was terrific, outstanding in this game. And it wound up going 2-2 to the bottom of the ninth inning. And then bad things happened with Giovanni Gallegos on the mound. He gets the first two out. Everything happened with two out. A couple of walks. Doesn't that sound familiar? It does. Here we go. The fifth of the year for the Rockies catcher. They win it by a score of 5-2, to two, devastating for Gallegos, and as much so for the Cardinals and Adam Wainwright. Wainwright, after allowing those two runs in the second, was spectacular. Eight innings, he allowed six hits, two runs, only walked one, and struck out four. And Michelle, you can't be wasting 110-pitch performance by Adam Wainwright, in which he goes eight and allows only two runs. Couldn't agree more. That game last night, when you have Adam Wainwright, who not only has been the stopper for you this season and last season in so many ways, but when you know that he has such a good record versus Colorado and that he's likely going to put you in a position to win, and then he goes out there, as you mentioned, 110 pitches, and he retires 12 of the last 13 batters he faced, and he puts you in a position to win, you cannot waste that opportunity to go ahead and win. And I this sounds dramatic, but watching that game last night, just everything the Cardinals have endured, knowing who they're going to face after Colorado and San Francisco and the Cubs, it, last night felt like a must-win game for the Cardinals, and they dropped it. Yeah, and Wainwright talked afterwards about his mentality going into a game like last night. Well, I mean, you know, whether it's true or not, I always consider myself the best pitcher in the game when I go out there. You know, and uh, as soon as I stop thinking that way, I'll retire. I mean... That's the edge I try to bring out there. And, and, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me when I do well. It seemingly surprises everyone else, but that's fine. Uh, It does not surprise me because that's what I expect to do. You know, those are the expectations I have. And we know that. But to go into Denver and pitch like that, and he hasn't pitched particularly well on the road, that is really impressive. And what makes it sad is, Michelle, two things. Number one, I don't think you lose that game without using... Alex Reyes. I know he'd thrown two two days in a row. Jason Isringhausen, 2004, pitched on the second. And by the way, he'd already had two Tommy John surgeries. He's 31 years old. Jason Isringhausen in June of 2004 pitched on the second, third, and fourth. Then he per- pitched on the 24th, 25th, and 26th of June. In July, he pitched on the third, fourth, and fifth. And then the 19th, 20th, and 21st. And then in 05, he pitched on April 15th, 16th, and 17th, and June 17th, 18th, and 19th. Tony Larusa was going for it, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And baseball was different. I will give the Cardinals that. But I don't think that you can lose that particular game without pitching Alex Reyes. I know that the Cardinals are always going to be overly cautious with Alex Reyes. I get that. He has had such a tough injury road, and now that he's healthy, you see what he is for you, and he's certainly in their plans for the future, so you don't want to disrupt that. 
if you can help it. However, he, he in addition to to the two times that you mentioned that he he was used prior to that though he was only used a handful of times because the Cardinals weren't really in many save opportunities. So it kind of feels like if you were ever going to push it, last night would have been the opportunity to do so. And with the rules the way they are. Take your chances in extra innings with a runner at second base. That's right. It's not like you need somebody to go five innings after that. You're going to need a couple of one-inning pitchers and let Gallegos go the 10th. But the Cardinals elected not to do that. And now with Milwaukee's win, the Cardinals are nine games behind the Brewers. And Michelle, you said it felt like a must-win game. Cardinals aren't coming back from a nine-game deficit in this division. So you are right. That was essentially a must-win in this season for the Cardinals in terms of playoff hopes is over. Well, they were 10 and a half games back, Randy, in 2011, and we know what happened then. I just need to throw that into this okay. argument. Chris Carpenter held the meeting that included Albert Pujols mm-hmm. and Matt Holliday at his house. That's true. Who's the Chris Carpenter that holds the meeting, and who are the Albert Pujols and Matt Holliday's of this team that perform well offensively? And by the way, who are the half a dozen quality bullpen arms that the Cardinals throw out there this year as opposed to 2011? Well, I'll give you the first half of that. I would think Adam Wainwright may play Chris Carpenter in the 2021 rendition of the meeting. Um, I would think that Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado would assume the roles of Albert Pujols and Matt Holliday. not, not a total comp, but I'm assuming that those are the two guys that would that would fill those roles if we're going to central casting. Now, the bullpen arms, that's where you got me. I don't really know if we're going to have enough people to fill out the entire roster there to, to get the play done. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. The Cardinals just don't have enough horsepower. And it's not that they aren't trying, but the way they're set up, when you don't use an Alex Reyes for a third day in a row, you're going for it in 2022. You aren't going for it in 2021. Which I think the fan base should be fine with. Yeah. There's a lot that was out of your control this season. And I'm assuming when Jack Flaherty comes back, now that Harrison Bader's back, you're you're starting to get some people back that you might see a surge in performance. We know the Cardinals historically, past few seasons have been a second half team. They've made a push. Uh, Paul DeYoung said it great a couple weeks ago when he said this team is a team that always seems to make a run in September. Now, where will the rest of the division be at that time? I don't know. But I think once we arrive at that point in September, if the Cardinals at least look like they're healthy and putting it together and they're positioned well for 2022 as a fan, I don't think I would necessarily be upset because there's a lot from an injury standpoint that was out of your control this season. And the Brewers are running away with this division. They lead the Cubs now by six and a half, Reds by eight, Cardinals by nine, Pirates by 19. The all-star starters were named last night. Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals making it as a starter. In the National League, the first baseman is Freddie Freeman. In the American League, the first baseman, Guerrero. Second base, National League, Adam Frazier of the Pirates. Marcus Semien of Toronto in the American League. Shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres. In the National League, Xander Bogarts of Boston in the American. Third base, Arenado, National League. Rafael Devers, American League. Catcher, National League, Buster Posey wins the voting. And Salvador Perez of the Royals in the American League. And then the outfield in the National League, Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. In the American League, Mike Trout, who won't be able to play because of injury. Aaron Judge and T. Oscar Hernandez. And the American League has the DH, and Shohei Otani was voted in as their designated hitter. 
Don't you love that Otani's the DH? Yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's awesome. It'd be fun to see him start the game. It'd be very fun. Why not? That'd be great. In the NBA playoffs last night, the Bucks knocked off the Hawks 123-112. Milwaukee one game away from going to the NBA Finals. They'll play the Phoenix Suns if they're able to clinch the clinching game. And Stanley Cup game three tonight here on 101 ESPN. And Joe Micheletti will be on the call. The Lightning and Canadians, the Lightning lead that series two games to nil. And this one will be played in Quebec. Um, I want to go back to the NBA playoffs really quickly. Shout out to Brooke Lopez for putting up 33 oh. and helping the Giannis-less Bucks to a, a huge Game 5 victory. I did not expect that from no, the Bucks I don't at think, all. I don't think Lopez expected it. I don't think anybody did. They didn't start him, right? No, I, I mean, I just, I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't catch the whole game. I woke up this morning. I'm like, the Bucks won that game? Wow. Good yeah. for them. Yeah, and they took it to him early. It, that game was, and normally in the NBA, you have a run, and the Hawks got within seven late in the first half, and then to start the second half, Milwaukee started running away with it. Very impressive performance by Milwaukee. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got Peak and Pitt with Randy and Michelle on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Emily is here. Michelle is here. I'm Randy. And our text line number is 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. It's time for Peak or Pit. What was your highlight of the week? What was your low light of the week? Michelle, you get to start. Well, let's start with the low. I think I have to go with getting dental work and having my face mm-hmm. swollen for a few days. That's never great. And um, some Cardinal baseball has been a pit lately, for sure. Um, but I think piggybacking off of that, Randy, my peak of the week was peak was our interview with John Mozalak earlier this mm-hmm. week. It's always great to have someone who is in the middle of the, the storm, the eye of the storm, come in and at least give you some sort of answers to a lot of the questions that we have. And I really appreciated most time. And I think that was my peak of the week. All right. My peak of the week was actually going to a Cardinal win on Wednesday. That was fun to see that they actually came away with a W and played well. And when they scored their sixth run, I went, woohoo! because of 60 cent drinks yesterday. Oh, nice. So that was fun. So yeah, going to the game and uh, taking it in and seeing a win on Wednesday was my peak of the week. My pit, Michelle, was that this weather has kept me off the golf course this week. I haven't played once this week. What? That stinks. I need to do better. Be better, Randy. Be best. That's right. Be best. But yeah, the what? it's supposed to be beautiful the next few days, though. So you better make up for lost time. I am getting out. No doubt about it. Mm -hmm. uh, That's like the Tyler O'Neill. No doubt about it. That is pretty good. Thank you. Emily, what you got? What are your, what's your peak? What's your pit? Oh, man. Um, this is pressure. It is pressure. Pit probably losing on a walk-off last night. Yeah, not great. Mm-hmm. And not great. peak, knowing that we have Monday off. There you go. That's true. Long that's weekend. A good one. And that's we've a got good a best one. up for you on Monday. We do. It's a great one. It's going to be fun. That's what, I, that's what I've heard. All know. right. To the Air Comfort Service text line. From the 636, peak watching the Cardinals sweep the D-backs and having some hope. Pitt yeah. watching the Cardinals waste yet another Adam Wainwright outing. Yep. Boom. Yeah, it's it's like they tricked us. We need 162 sweep. games from with the Diamondbacks is what we need. That would be awesome. Maybe win 90. And can Adam Wainwright pitch every game? That would be nice, too. That would be awesome to put him put us in a position to at least know, know we're going to watch something entertaining. Right. 
from the 636 peak made it through the first three weeks of 75 hard. All right. That's three 21, weeks. 21 out of 75. And Pitt, don't get to hear my favorite radio show live on Monday. And then he put, or she put, you. That's you. Ah, well, thank you for having us as your favorite show. And like we said, we've got a best of. So you'll still hear our voices on Monday. It just won't be live. But it'll be the best version of us with the best guests that we've had over the past few weeks. So you'll still get us. Chris Long, John Mozeliak, among Mm -hmm. others. It's going to be great. Isaac Bruce. I'm assuming there's an Adam Wainwright in the mix there. There is an Adam Wainwright, yes. Which will be awesome. Um, But three weeks into 75 hard. I would say the first three weeks are the hardest and then the last 15 days. So everything that you're doing right now, you're in the rhythm. You're you're golden. Now, this weekend might be a little tough with 4th yeah. of July, but you have all the time off to get your workouts in. Just make good choices at your barbecue and you'll stay on track. Yeah. Good, good for you going. By the way, I'm wearing my Uncle Charlie shirt today in honor of Adam's performance last night. I was going to comment on that. Great shirt. And Adam mentioned how soft it was. That looks yeah, really it's soft. It's very soft. Yeah, looks really soft. From the 636 peak, my company sent me to our Miami office for the week. All listening, right. They're listening on the 101 app. And Pitt, I work in HR and found out upon arrival it was to fire two people. Ooh, I hate when that happens. Ooh, that's the classic bait and switch. Hey, we're going to send you to Miami. But guess what? You're firing two people. But if you're in HR, you probably fired people before. I don't know if it ever gets any easier. I've never fired someone. I don't think I could ever fire someone. I'd probably start crying because I'd feel so badly about it. Um, did you see the movie Up in the Air, George Clooney I and I did, Anna yeah, yeah. Many, many years ago. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Just do it over Zoom. Wasn't that one filmed here? It was, yeah. yeah. it was. I remember there was many a George Clooney sightings around, particularly yeah. the Central West End. 65780, if you have a George Clooney story. I know he played a lot of pickup basketball. Over at Chaffetz. Awesome. Um, I can't remember what happened in the movie, though. So somebody got fired over Zoom? Uh, That was his job, was to travel around and fire people. Like this person going to Miami to fire two people. But she came in as a consultant and suggested they start firing everybody over video, over Mm. computer. Yeah. From the 314, peak, getting a puppy. Pit. Getting a puppy. <laughs> totally. Long term, though, it'll be a peak. The pit of having to get up in the middle of the night. Puppies are actually more difficult, harder work than real babies. It's not only the bathroom stuff, too. It's the chewing. Yeah. You, you take your eye off that puppy for a second and mm. the, the leg of your table destroyed. Our uh, late great Clarice would go into the bathroom and grab the end of the toilet paper and just start running around the house with the toilet paper roll coming off. Pretty good. That was pretty funny. Uh, Clarice after Silence of the Lambs? No, Clarice after Rudolph's girlfriend in Rudolph the Red-Nosed oh, Reindeer. Obviously. How could I have missed that? Yeah. From the 618, this is a Suns fan. Peak, Chris Paul making the final. And Pitt, my fuel pump went out. Oh, man. Peak eclipses Pitt, though. There. Yeah, if you are a Suns fan, you're going to the finals. And if you're a Chris Paul fan, you've waited a long time for this. Right. And fuel pump going out, it's replaceable. Nobody will ever replace this trip to the finals. That's true. No one can ever replace Chris Paul either. No. From the 314 pit, St. Louis summer humidity. In peak, my wife and I decided in the last two weeks to move to Colorado to escape it. Oh, Oh. good. Once again, use the 101 ESPN app to maintain your allegiance to St. Louis sports and character and small. We appreciate you listening. Enjoy Colorado and escaping the humidity, which doesn't really bother me that much. The humidity doesn't matter. I went out for a bike ride yesterday. It didn't matter to me. It's fine. But yesterday was lower. It wasn't as insufferable as it can be. I can handle it. Well, you're a lifer. 
Yeah, right. I'm used to it. Yeah, you are. Uh, Now, moving to Colorado, I wonder where they're moving. I have friends that live in Denver, some in Fort Collins, and my friends who have left Illinois to move to Colorado said, I'm never coming home, ever. Mm -hmm. They love it in Colorado. So I wonder where you're moving to. Popular place. Yeah, it's very popular now, especially Denver. But um, enjoy. I'm sure you're going to love it. From the 573 peak, that new yard sale Traeger Grill is going to be busy with brisket, pork butt, and ribs. Oh, go for it. You're going to have a busy weekend. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And Pitt, I don't have Randy's carrot cake recipe. It's on the Traeger Grill website. Just go to your Traeger Grill's website and you can find it there. I'm not convinced that you don't throw something else in there. Uh, Maybe. Maybe not. The secret ingredient is love. Yeah, there maybe. you go. But whatever whatever you do, maybe it's the t- the amount of time that you leave it on there, Randy. I just can't imagine that everybody can make it as great as you do. Thank you very much. I also, the recipe is at 101ESPN.com. I made a video oh, making yeah, it right. last year, last spring or summer. So it's available there, too. From the 618 peak, I was able to get three new hires. Pitt, only two showed up for work. That's unbelievable how that happens. How can you get hired for a job and then just not show up? I don't know. I was at one place yesterday, a place of business, a restaurant where they had three employees and one just walked out right in the middle while I was standing there waiting for my online order. Are you serious? Yeah, just, somebody just walked out. What? You know, did just, it, was uh, everyone Somebody aware? said, you leaving? And he just threw his hand up and walked out. Wow. He just had yep, enough. Yep. He was sick of it. Sick of it. And then another place of business... A uh, convenience store where I know the manager. He can't find employees at all. I know somebody um, in our industry that's looking for somebody to hire that their job would be essentially going to concerts and passing things out and just being a part of um, a crew. Not a lot of labor, but you just have to show up and be there and can't find anybody to do it. Remarkable. From the 618, peak one against meat in the gauntlet. All right. Nice. Congratulations. Was probably with some of our questions. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, though. A lot of people snitching to us saying that the fast lane stole our, well, we should say stole Emily's question. And that's because Emily does a great job. That's right. But for the gauntlet. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but we need to look into this. There needs to be an investigation. Big time. Here's the thing. Let me clear clear this up. All right. Because allegedly people are saying that I stole one of Meat's questions as well. Oh. That one came out of my brain. Yeah. I made that one up. Yeah. I think Meat and I use, are using some of the same sources. Maybe the same brain. We, Maybe we're just both that good. Could be. I don't know. I've never seen Emily and Meat in the same room. Have you? Nope. Just saying. That's true. Just saying. That's true. From the 314 peak, I'm playing in my first ice hockey league at age 26. And Pitt, hockey is expensive. Yeah. And eventually you'll get sore too. 26 is a good age. But eventually you'll get sore playing hockey. But even though it's expensive... If it's something that you love, yep. it's a good hobby to have. Physical activity, you get the camaraderie of your teammates, and it's probably something that you'll look forward to. So I think if you're going to put money into some hobby, that's probably a good one. Yeah, that's a, that's a winner. That's a good move. From the 314 pit, I was fired from my job, Ooh. but peak, I no longer have to work for that jerk. <gasps> okay, good one. I wonder if he worked in Miami. <laughs> also <laughs> screaming of, on the app. Yeah, out of curiosity, I'm just... Good question. Right, right. Good one. (laughs) Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, we're going to talk 4th of July weekend golf and another match coming up on Monday. Jay Delsing will tell us what he thinks of that next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is going to be a beautiful 4th of July weekend in St. Louis. Great to get out on the golf course. And you can tune in to Golf with Jay Delsing coming up on Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. Jay is with Michelle and Randy right now as he joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Good morning. It's beautiful out. Finally, no rain. My gosh, this week has been dreary as hell. Yeah, high is 79 today. And I know that uh, at my golf course, it's cart path only, but I can live with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you get the the itch, you know, you don't care if you got to walk a little bit. I mean, it, it is supposed to be some sort of exercise, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Jay, Phil Mickelson, I don't know if you saw this. He's playing in the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit, and the Detroit News published a story about a gambling suit against him in Michigan in 2007, and he told the media he'll, he'll play this weekend. He's glad to be there, but he will never come back to play in this event in Detroit because of what the Detroit News reported, a, a t- almost 25-year old story is phil a little bit too thin-skinned here you know it's interesting isn't it i haven't read the full story I, i've heard about it and um there's some legendary phil mickelson gambling stories guys for sure uh i'm a little surprised by it i mean all the stuff he did did you see him ben bryson's eight iron no you know, i didn't did you see him? oh yeah i pulled his uh they were playing a practice round and bryson was sitting in the drive and he went in his bag and you know, because if you play with a, a a club that's been altered, you get disqualified. So it's a practice round, and all he's got to do is take it over to the trailers and get a new shaft put in it. But he took it over his knee and bent it. It's, <laughs> wow. a, it's pretty good. I think it was on is it on Twitter or, or something. But I I, um, I I just don't I just don't get it because he does so much to draw. You know, I don't want to say unnecessary attention, but it's attention nonetheless. And the stuff that he did years ago, I mean, I don't know why he doesn't think that's fair game. I'd say he's a little thin-skinned, but there's something about this story, Randy, he doesn't want out. Speaking of stories, Jay, I want to talk about Bryson DeChambeau and his caddy, Tim Tucker, who is no longer with him. They were together for eight years of Bryson's professional career. A lot of his wins were there. And then we find out that Tucker was caddying for him as early or as late, I should say, as earlier this week. And now they're no longer together um, as of yesterday. What do you make of that split? I, I, I laugh, Michelle, because before social media, you guys... Players and caddies broke up every three holes. You know, it's, it's such a tenuous relationship because you you get there and, it, and it, it works out not being anything personal, but you get to a point where you're like, if this dude says this one more time, I don't ever want to see him again. You know, I need a break. And, and so something happened um, um, probably similar to that. And, you know, they've spun it the way they've spun it and said, said all the right things. But, it's weird, you guys, and and I don't want to overblow the, the what it's like playing on tour. But when you're out there, your caddy is like your only refuse, you know. And there's the only place to blow steam. And there gets to be points in time where everything your caddy says irritates you. <laughs> it's like he can't do anything right. And then, and I know for a fact, like I've looked over at my caddy, and he's like, "Dude, I hope you have a great couple weeks off because I know my caddy." <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with me right now. So it's really not um, uh, that that big a deal. What makes it a big deal is because it's, 
you know, it's Bryson. And then you see that um, that uh, Brooksy goes ahead and trolls him right away, that, yeah. you know, paying homage to his own caddy. So, you know, Michelle, when I think of all this stuff, I keep going back to everybody's Q rating. You know, this Q rating deal with all of this money that the PGA Tour has dumped into this, uh, uh, you know, account, this, this fund for this, you know, who can move the needle the most for social media. And I know that these guys are masters at, at their own brand and at marketing themselves. And so there's probably a, a lot more going on here than meets the eye, at least for me. That's a good point. I, I want to ask you about caddies, though, Jay, because as you mentioned, that is a very intimate relationship. That's the person when you're in the thick of it that you look to to talk to and to, to give you advice and to go on this this ride with you. How did you go about selecting who your caddy would be? So, Michelle, it's it's what we would do. I, not, I swear, nobody really cared that much about golf when we played. I mean, it wasn't that people liked it, but we didn't have any, you know, uh, we, we didn't have a, as, nearly as much attention. So all of these things weren't really big deals. I mean, a lot of times what I was looking for was someone that was, they, first of all, they had to know, know how to do their job, which means they had to know the golf course, they had to walk the golf course, but most importantly, they needed to know how to stay calm and, and, and know how to present, you know, themselves at, at current situations that wouldn't, you know, add to my freak out. You know, because if, if, if I'm anxious and I turn to my caddy and it looks like he's ready to, you know, <laughs> cut his wrist or something, I'm like, well, yeah, this is, this is brutal. So I would, what I would usually do is, um, is um, and I never kept a caddy for much more than, than three years. We just wound up getting so stale, you know, all of the same sort of encouraging things or things that I needed, you know, just kind of fell apart at that, at that point in time. And all the caddies that I had, we ended up on, well, nobody likes being fired. No one likes firing someone, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, especially when you care for somebody, but you know, we, we'd say, we'd say have a few heated words and then two weeks later, you know, everything was fine. But what I would do is I would always play a couple of rounds with them and say, here's, here's what I need. And I, I didn't expect my caddy to do much. I didn't want him to do much. I like to, I, when, when I go to a ball and I'm standing out there in the fairway, there's a shot that's, that I feel like this shot is calling me to hit it. I know that sounds really stupid, but that's the way golf has been for me. And so my job, as I see it, is to get out there and create that shot the best I can. And I don't want my caddy giving me too much information. I'm all, and so we would go over what I want. The ball would be sitting here. He'd say, you got 120 to the front and the flag sticks on, you know, 30, it's 150 yards to the hole. And then I'd ask him uphill or downhill and then wind condition. And then he doesn't say anything else unless I ask him because I'm going to hit every shot. I could probably hit two or three different clubs for, and he doesn't know if I want to hit a low one or he doesn't know what I want to do. No. No. And these worked out for the machine. I let someone know. A little be going. Or I heard. Um, Jay, your phone is breaking up here. Can you go back to where you were? Can you hear me? We just got. Can you hear me? Try it again. I'm right here. I'm back. Here okay. I am. There we right. go. I, I don't know. I'm rambling, so you know, just cut me off and <laughs> the topic if you. 
Uh, actually, we, we wanted to ask you about the match, and it's kind of weird. I don't think people realize it's on. I thought it was on Monday. It's actually on Tuesday, and the match between Rodgers and uh, it's going to be Rodgers and Mickelson, or Brady and Mickelson versus Rodgers and DeChambeau. It starts at 4 o'clock St. Louis time on Tuesday. Kind of a weird time to have the match, isn't it? Yeah, Randy, I don't understand that. From the whole media standpoint and from the dollars, I, I don't get it. Did I lose you? Whoop. We've lost Jay again. So, you know what? We'll uh, we'll oh. catch up later. Unfortunately, we lost you. Let's see if we can get, though, on the uh, 4th of July here. Do you have a special 4th of July guest for Golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday morning? Whoop. We've lost Jay. But we want you to tune in, 9 o'clock on Sunday morning with Jay here on 101 ESPN. And we always appreciate his time. Are you going to watch the match? I am. Yeah. I might dabble in it, but it just doesn't have the allure for me that the earlier ones did. No. Well, when you have Tiger, it's just different, yeah, right? of course. Exactly. And now you you have DeChambeau. And I, th- I think the uh, DeChambeau-Mickelson dynamic is great. The only reason I think most people will tune in is, is to see what... Aaron Rodgers has to say, if anything. And I doubt he'll say anything. I doubt it, too. But it people will tune in for it to see if he right. says something. And you won't have a Stanley Cup Finals game that night, and I don't believe you'll have an NBA Finals game, so it might just be able to own the sports calendar that night. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Take it or leave it is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Character, Emily Butcher, and Michelle, I'll get things started here with the Cardinals being nine games out in the NL Central and us being 29 days away from the MLB trade deadline. Mm -hmm. Take it or leave it, the Cardinals make no transactions at the deadline or by the deadline. I'm going to leave it. I bet there is a a small move that's made because I don't know. Even if the Cardinals aren't really planning on being super aggressive because maybe they have the self-awareness of where this team is and what this team is and they want to reload for 2022. I think that they do need reinforcements and that they at least want to still give the illusion that they're trying to go for it this season. Don't you think? I would think the only move they would make is Andrew Miller for maybe a young left-hander, young mid-level left-handed reliever and somebody that could ultimately replace Andrew Miller, but I believe that that's all they will do. I don't think they'll buy. So we talked about this yesterday, Randy. Yesterday was a banner day for college athletics because college athletes were officially granted the rights to profit off their name, images, and likeness. Take it or leave it. Give Reggie Bush his Heisman back. Oh, leave it. What was his name, image, and likeness being used for so that his parents could live rent-free in a house in San Diego? But base, but if he was able to profit off of his success and off of his name, his image, and his likeness, he would have been generating revenue where he could have given it to his family. He wouldn't have had to, or boosters would have been legally allowed to find a way to give, give him money. But it was against the rules then. I just think that it was a bad rule then. Everybody was doing it. It's been a bad rule for a long time. And that doesn't 
impact what he did on the field. I don't think that anybody used his name, image, or likeness to advertise their product in exchange for giving his parents a house rent free. But they were getting a lot of athletes were getting money. They were doing it under the table. He just happened to be someone who got caught doing it. And it was it's something that clearly was not fair. It's his fault that he got caught. Oh, it's his fault that he got caught. Well, I, I think the NCAA is more of the villain here and not Reggie Bush and that you you can take the money rule and sure, hold it against him. But I don't think that it in any way negates what he did on the field. He earned the Heisman. He should be able to have his Heisman. Absolutely. As a football player, he earned the Heisman. But for the rules that were in place at the time, and it's hard to go back retroactively and say, okay, this was allowed then. I, I don't think, or this was, this is allowed now, it wasn't allowed then. I don't think you can go back and apply the rules differently because of when he played and what happened to him. Emily, what do you got? From the 636, take it or leave it, the Cardinals make the playoffs this year. Leave it. I'm going to leave it too. Yeah. I don't feel great about it. I don't feel great about it either. In fact, I would. I think the chances are better that the Cardinals finish under 500 for the first time since 07 than make the playoffs. That is a scary thought. Yeah. They're two games under now, and they, they don't beat good teams. Yikes. From the 314, take it or leave it, there will be an MLB, MLB pitcher to strike out 12 or more batters in this weekend's games. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing some looking, and... In the second game scheduled tonight, Max Scherzer. There you go. I was like, done. Done. Yeah. <laughs> done. If you needed examples, I was going to give you that. Yeah. Thank you. Done. From the 636, take it or leave it, Michelle finds a way to eat some really good barbecue, even though she had dental work. I'm going to take that. Oh, I love it. I'm going to take that. I'm going to one, two, two barbecues and a pool day. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, You're going to eat. Yeah, I, I'm. Sorry. And your mouth will feel Sorry. better. By the end of today, Dentist. your mouth will feel better. It doesn't feel bad. So it's just swollen. Yeah. yeah. So you'll be fine. And, you know, you just need to be delicate. But, you know, I feel like if you shred the meat, mm-hmm. you can eat it. Right. Or if you cut it super, super, super small. I feel like pulled pork is fine. Pulled. We'll find Perfect. a way. Perfect. We'll yeah. find a way. Pulled pork. Yeah. There you go. If my dentist is listening, earmuffs. Yeah. Kidding. Smoothies only. Dog. Soggy nachos? No? I don't like the soggy ones. Okay. I will leave them in the tray. Okay. I know that's kind of sacrilege, but I like a crisp chip. From the 314, take it or leave it, the best Missouri catcher made the All-Star game. Hard to disagree with that one. Speaking of Salvador Perez, mm-hmm. at this point, yeah, he is. He's better. For 2021. Yeah, for the career, you take Yachty, of no course. doubt about it. Salvador Perez has been pretty darn good, but Yachty's career is better than Salvador Perez's. But yeah, right now, there's no... Well, I, I would guess that Cardinal pitchers might disagree with you, but in terms of overall play, most teams would take Perez right now over Molina. From the 314, take it or leave it, Randy should freestyle before the show is over. I'm going to leave that. I'm not a freestyle guy. I was just going to say that. Um... 
you'd think that I would want to take it because Randy does have bars and it would be a great way to send us into a long weekend. Mm -hmm. But Randy is such a wordsmith. He takes such great care with his lyrics mm -hmm. that freestyling is not really his thing. He's not a bee rabbit. He's not, he's, you're not going to find him underground at a club doing a rap battle. He is going to take the care needed to give you the best lyrics and then he's going to execute them to perfection. Because when I rapped Michelle, it does, it comes from my soul. It comes from my gut. And you're trying to tell a story. I am. A, a story of my life. That's mean right. Streets of Creve Corps. That's right. But I think we might be overdue for a Randy rap. By the way, Mean Streets of Creve Corps really are now. Are they? Cars got busted into in my neighborhood the night before last. Wow. Up and down the street, yeah. A little light B&E? Yeah, big time. Wow. These are the Mean Streets. Yeah. From the 636, take it or leave it, deep dish pizza would go great on the Traeger. Randy, yeah, I'll let I, you take this one. I'll take it. Yeah, I've made deep dish pizza on the Traeger, and it is magnificent. But then the problem is you still are stuck eating deep dish pizza. It's fantastic when I make it. That I wouldn't disagree with. I'm sure you're an excellent chef, Randy. I'm sure even you could make deep dish, deep dish pizza excellent. It's the only veggie pizza that I really like. Deep dish? Yep. Because there's so much other stuff going yep. on. <laughs> it's great. From the 573, take it or leave it, Olympic athletes should not be tested for marijuana. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take that. Somebody got popped, right? Shakari Richardson, yeah. yeah. Who's in track and field? Yeah. If she... I think we have to move into 2021 here. It's legal in 30 plus states now, right? It's legal in many countries that are, are participating in the Olympics. It just seems a little... Silly. convoluted that it's legal some places but that she could get in trouble for that yeah no one's gonna get popped for drinking a beer am i right that's exactly right but and also i don't know if she was doing edibles or if she was smoking it but to this texture's point if she could be smoking and still be an olympic runner yeah right i am more impressed by her <laughs> yeah i can't even run period i can't either <laughs> and i'm not smoking yeah so you go brownies if in your. Well, I'm just saying I'm I'm saying for her specifically, for her specifically for, for a runner, the brownie is probably a better vessel. A gummy, maybe to, Randy. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what other options there are, but yeah, just some sort of. Can't you inject it? Infused food, infused cannabis. Randy, you know more about the devil's lettuce. Yes, but I'm when we're talking Olympics, I don't know what their rules are. But I'm just saying, you can't stop people from having a brownie. And if she was puffing the magic dragon, then shame on her. You can't make Michelle laugh. I can't yeah. laugh today, Randy. So it's, it's just a shame that we couldn't have the Olympics in Acapulco, where you have Acapulco red, Acapulco gold, Acapulco black. You do have Tokyo Jane. On brand for the Olympics, there it no? Is. Yeah. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Cardinals trade for Gallo and a middle-of-the-rotation pitcher by the deadline. Leave it. I'm going to leave that, too. Yeah. Somebody will make a stronger bid that has a better opportunity. In fact, I could see the Brewers being more aggressive for those two items than the Cardinals. From the 636, take it or leave it, Randy shoots in the 80s in his round of golf today. I'll take that. Hmm. Okay, I'll take that, too couple days off you think you're going to be rusty the humidity is low you're going to go out there and surprise yourself okay not thinking too much about it you're just going to get in the flow 
Okay, I like this. Thank you. Thanks for the confidence, kids. You're going to start off your holiday weekend with a bang. It's going to be awesome. From the 314, take it or leave it, Vlad Jr. wins the Triple Crown and loses the MVP. Ooh, to Shohei, that's a really good question. That is a good one, and I'm going to take it because I think if Shohei continues what he's doing, he's going to get it. And I wonder if uh, Vlad Jr., as great as he's been, if he can pull off the Triple Crown. Right now, Michael Brantley has a nine-point lead. Shohei leads him in homers by two, and he trails uh, Rafael Devers by three. He's second in all three categories. So it's going to be hard to it, – it's hard to win a triple crown. Very hard. Miggy did it. Miggy did it about a decade ago and did win the triple crown. It would be hard to, to say you won the triple crown and you can't win the MVP. But unless Otani absolutely falls off – it's very difficult to not see him winning the right, MVP. Yeah. What he's doing well, is r- remarkable. It's spectacular. And even if he does fall off a little bit, the narrative is such that it's going to be hard to keep it away from him. That's right. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Coming up, how do you grill the perfect 4th of July burger? The guy whose place does make the best burgers in St. Louis. Mike Johnson of High Point Drive-In and Sugar Fire will join us to tell us how to make the perfect burger next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is 8 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I always like to talk barbecuing on the 4th of July weekend because we all get out and do it. I actually did a poll, Michelle, last week on Twitter asking people what they preferred to put on the grill on the 4th of July weekend. And it was either burgers and dogs, ribs, chicken, or pork steaks. Mm -hmm. And burgers and dogs were at the top of the list. It feels very American to have a hot yeah. dog or a hamburger on yeah. the 4th of July. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, we got to get the guy to tell us how to make the perfect burger. And who better to have than Chef Mike Johnson from the High Point Drive-In and Sugar Fire, among others. He's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. I know, uh, Mike, first of all, thanks for joining us. And you've been busy. You've oh, been traveling you. around to uh, a, a lot of different barbecue competitions, haven't you? Yeah, I usually do. Um, I actually got a couple coming up this week. I mean, they're not competitions, just festivals. I'm in Chicago at uh, Windy City Smoke out next weekend, and I'm also in Kansas City. At the same time, i got to fly back and forth. We're doing a big uh, festival in Kansas City, too. That's uh, Kansas City Barbecue Fest. Awesome. And in addition to the restaurants, and by the way, you guys have the Boathouse at Forest Park, which is fabulous, and Cyrano's. Yep. And then during the pandemic, you opened a new restaurant, right? Uh, yeah, we did a, a fried chicken sandwich place called Chicken Out. And that's in the loop, and then we have a second one open in Kirkwood uh, in August. I have had chicken out chicken. It's outstanding. For those in St. Louis who haven't <laughs> had it, you need to get it today. Make it make it on so the to do list today. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fried chicken fan for sure. That's fantastic. So uh, thanks for all you do for the St. Louis food scene. And and you always oh, come worry. on with us. You're always generous with your time. And we've talked about burgers before, but I wanted to focus in because a lot of times we'll try to, in 11 minutes, we'll try to get around and do a lot of different things. I want to focus in today, Mike, on the perfect burger. And I watched a video that you did. This was, I think, right at the start of the pandemic last spring. And you, you described it on video, how to make the perfect burger. But first of all, tell us what kind of meat should people use? 
What kind of ground beef should they have? What combination should they have to to grill the perfect well, burger? To grill, um, I mean, you just got to have like probably around 80-20 is the ratio of meat to fat content I like. Or you can go leaner, but I mean, I'm just always saying what's the point. I mean, what, you know, I, I like to have like a lot of fat in there and that's going to help it stay juicy. And then if you ask your butcher, um, I mean, they'll do it at Schnucks or Deerberg's. I, I try and get a mix of um, 50% chuck, 25% brisket, and 25% short rib meat. And they all do different things. Chuck is more of the density, the chew in the body. Uh, the brisket's more fat content. And the uh, short rib is that really super beefy flavor that you get. And that's pretty much it. Just get a fresh grind. I always start with a fresh grind. And then um, that's pretty much the, the best uh, beef to use, in my opinion. And, Mike, for those who are going to be cooking these burgers on the grill, how long do you recommend that they keep the burgers on the grill? Well, I don't know. It just depends on how hot your grill gets. Um, I go as hot as possible, typically. I like to, I use charcoal. I'm a big charcoal fan. I'm an ambassador for Royal Oak uh, Charcoal, if you guys see that in the store. I would get that. That's a Missouri-made product. I'm not trying to hype somebody on your show. It's just, it's just what I use. It burns longer, and it's a natural lump product. You know, these briquettes things have a lot of uh, – mixers in there but a natural lump product is burns super hot and burns longer and so i get a good uh lump uh charcoal going on my grill or you can use a i mean you can use a gas grill too whatever i mean people make fun of people that use those i guess um but uh i just like to get a really super hot char you know make sure you oil the grill a little bit or at least spray some oil on your burger so it doesn't stick and um my other thing that i like to tell people too is don't sit there and play with it while it's cooking just set it on there and give it a couple minutes and then before you turn it or flip it don't sit the more you jab at it the more damage you're going to do what's the ideal internal temperature if i if i like a medium well burger well, mid well i'm guessing is around uh probably 140 145 something like that i like to go to 125 which is a medium rare but then i always no matter what even when it's a burger any piece of meat i always let rest 10 minutes but especially a burger because i'll let the juices seep out and give you a nice pink inside that everybody likes. That's a great point. Now, I want to go back because some people talk about putting an egg in their burger. I want to get your opinion on that. And what sort of spices do you like to put in your ground beef? They put an um, egg in there or on there? Do they mix it with it, which I don't like oh, the idea making, of, but I've heard of it before. No, they're making meatloaf. They're not making burgers. <laughs> there you go. So I don't know what, I never, No, that's not. I wouldn't do that. That sounds crazy. Um, I like to put an egg on top of the burger, though. That's yeah. delicious. Okay. Fried egg, yum. It is. And what about spices? Do you use anything besides salt and pepper? No, I just use salt and pepper. Um, I mean, really, that's all I use. Unless you have a good barbecue rub you want to use. But um, I like to use this stuff called Malden sea salt. I know um, it's my favorite sea salt. It's so good. It'll, it'll just it'll take anything you cook to the next level. You get it on Amazon. It's like an Irish um, flaky sea salt. It's just so good. Um, and then just some fresh ground pepper. That's all I typically use. And I'll spray it. I, I like to spray the burger, too, with, like, some olive oil spray or avocado oil spray first. Just so, just so it doesn't stick. And nobody likes a sticky burger. Right. No doubt. All right. Now let's no. move to uh, thickness. I know that uh, at High Point you do the smash burgers. How should we prepare this thing before we put it on the grill in terms of thickness and shape? Yeah, grilling. So I would do about a six-ounce burger. And I would leave it about... Uh, maybe about a half an inch thick. You can't really do a smash burger on the grill unless you want to smash it down into the right. charcoal. Yeah, right. Um, uh, no, you just, uh, I mean, I like a nice, thicker, juicier burger when I'm doing a outdoor grill burger. Some people have these little cast iron things they put on. I mean, I have one here at home. You can, you, you can get these cast iron things that you put on your Weber 
And if you want to do a smash burger on the Weber, you can still do it. You just do it on a, on a cast iron, which makes a great burger, too. But, um, yeah, I like to keep it a little thicker, for sure, about a half an inch. Okay, Mike, and then once that burger is done, what are you putting on top of it? In your opinion, what are the best toppings to throw on a burger? Man, okay, uh, American cheese. Um, le- I, I mean, lettuce, tomato, pickle. I, I hate raw onion. If you want a caramel, I, just me personally, I, I can't, like, it's the worst thing that I've ever even heard of. And um, I, I love mayo. I love Duke's mayo. I put Duke's mayo on pretty much everything. And I'm, I actually love Heinz 57. I, I don't know what it is. I, like, I, I just put it on everything. Good call. And you yeah. are very particular about your bun and the toasting of the bun. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I was actually, I almost missed my plane yesterday. I was in L.A. doing something, and I there's an in and out right by the airport. And uh, I was late for my flight, and I, I jumped in and grabbed it. I almost missed my flight. But um, I, when I bit into the burger, the bun was so crispy and delicious. And I, I just was like, man, that just reminded me. You got you to gotta toast that bun and get it crispy. So I like to, you know, rub some butter on. I use a potato bun. I think potato bun is a for a burger. It's not not too thick, not too thin. You know, not, it's just the right consistency you want to have in a burger. And um, it's made with potato flour. And I, I put some butter on that bun, and then I always get it crispy before I do that. And that's protecting the bun from getting soggy, also, and it's adding an extra crunch to your burger. Okay, Mike, now that we've talked about burgers, I want you to do essentially a draft, a barbecue plate draft. Give me three sides that you think need to be present at any 4th of July barbecue when you're enjoying this burger. Oh, side with the burger? Boy, um, I mean, barbecue sides, baked beans, but with lots of bacon in them. Mm-hmm. And I even put some, like, you know, I, I like to chop brisket and put in there, too. I love potato salad. Um, it's my favorite, you know, I, all different ways. Um, I like the one that make it Bogart's. It's got uh, deviled eggs in it. My dad actually goes and gets Bogart potato salad instead of getting sugar fire. It's pretty funny. I always find it. <laughs> and then uh, I found some in there uh, last week. I was like, dude, what are you doing? But um, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if you're saying, Dad, come on. <laughs> no, I don't care. No, they're friends of mine. And it's delicious. It's different. You know, it's, it's awesome. And, um, and then, you know, coleslaw, you know, we have it different ways. I, I kind of like it more vinegary. I like more vinegary coleslaw. But um, I would say definitely that. Okay, uh, I use a Traeger grill uh, for, oh, yeah. for my burger. Should is there a particular uh, wood pellet that I should use to have the best flavor for my burger? Uh, I mean, I, I think just the Traeger. You know, they they got cherry. They've got all the flavors: cherry, mesquite. I like to do just the burger because it's quick. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the more smokier, more something with more heavy okay. flavor on it, like a mesquite or a hardwood instead of like you know cherry woods might not taste the smoke. Right. You know, because it's a light, fruity wood, so you want to get something thicker. Like I, I think they make mesquite pellets, don't they? Yeah, they do mesquite and hickory. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and then you oh one of one of those two for sure. And then um, Royal Oaks actually coming out with charcoal pellets that you're going to mix in there, and that's going to add a, a, a lot of extra kick to it too. And I think they're out in about two weeks. Beautiful, Mike Johnson from Sugar Fire. A couple more things. Number one, you mentioned the Royal Oak charcoal, uh, and, and I don't know if you. I think this is just something you like, but you turned us on to Johnny Joseph's rub last oh, yeah, year Johnny. for the steak. Yep. Man, that's great. Oh yeah, the best. Yeah, I love Johnny. I just saw him down in um, Mississippi about a month ago. He's a great dude. And what are you going to be making? I know you love the burger. You eat a burger every day, right? Every day. That's awesome. Every what? day. No, that's how I explain my physique. <laughs> But that makes you the expert, so you know burgers. But like you said, you're going to be doing competitions in Chicago and Kansas City. So you get together with the family on the 4th or 5th of July. What are you going to do besides a burger? 
Man, uh, I mean, we always used to, I do ribeyes all, I, I love a good ribeye more than anything. I don't know. And I mean, but lately I've been trying to eat a little help. I do a lot of chicken. I do a lot of jerk chicken, actually. We eat jerk chicken around here a lot. It's weird. Like, I like to marinate it, and I, I get this jerk uh, marinade from the store called Walker's Wood or something. And I soak the chicken in it, and then we just, you know, smoke them on it. We use a Green Mountain Grill. It's like your, it's like your Traeger. Yep. Um, but I love those little pellet grills, and you just throw, you know, throw chicken in there and forget about it. It smokes them perfectly, you know. That's great. And I want to tell you, coming out of the, I want to ask you, coming out of the pandemic, how are the restaurants doing? I know that uh, we, we love Sugar Fire here in the studio. We love High Point here in the studio. But as your group of restaurants, how are they doing? Yeah, I mean, overall, it's been great. You know, especially, you know, the Boathouse, which was really hurt by the pandemic, it's coming out crazy. Like, we're booking, we're booked out for, like, I mean, as far as you can tell. I mean, it's just, everything seems to be back. Um, this is a struggle sometimes to find employees. But uh, that's not the end of the world. We're, we're fighting through it. And uh, everything, I can't complain, man. We're opening, so I'm opening a restaurant in Jacksonville on, on the 15th, uh, a new Sugar Fire. Um, we got a new couple new high points coming, new chicken out. So we're, we're rolling. So And everything's going great. I appreciate you asking. Thank you. No problem. The food is great. We love it. And we always love you coming on with us and giving us some instruction. And I'm actually going to take what you just taught us about the burger. We'll put it up on my Instagram and Twitter so that people can oh, have nice. a great 4th and 5th of July. Nice. Thank you. I mean, anytime. Just, you know, I'll come on there. I'll come on every day if you guys want. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you're the best. <laughs> Thanks. Have a great weekend. Yes, sir. You guys too. Thank you. See you later. Bye. That's our friend Mike Johnson of Sugar Fire. Great guy. So if he's opening a restaurant in Jacksonville, it seems like we need to get Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer there. I would say so. That's a good idea. Just get a photo, photo op, and I know we can pull that off. We absolutely. Well, they're, they're going to want to go there. They are. And so I think that might be an inevitability. Yeah. That's cool. Good. Yeah, he's expanding, but based here in St. Louis and a good man and an unbelievable chef. And uh, I put it up on Instagram yesterday, Michelle, and you can follow us on Instagram at M. Smallman at R.J. Carricker. But the High Point Burger is the best burger I've ever had. I need to have it. I haven't been to High Point. I've been to Sugar Fire many times, and I've been to Chicken Out Chicken many times, which, again, I know that's kind of a, a newer restaurant here mm-hmm. in the St. Louis scene, and a lot of people, it did open over, during the past year. I feel like a lot of people haven't necessarily gone out and experienced all the new restaurants in St. Louis yet. Cannot recommend Chicken Out Chicken enough. It's great, but need to get to High Point. It's been on my list for a long time, and it seems like I'll do that this weekend because I'm allowed to have hamburger meat, Randy. Love it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up. Dan Snyder is in trouble. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. It is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, we got an email yesterday morning from NFL Communications about the Washington football team investigation into their workplace environment, which apparently was exceptionally toxic for women. And we'll get into it a little bit. But one thing that's happened is the league, I would think, probably coerced Dan Snyder into naming his wife Tanya as the co-CEO of the team. And as a result of the toxic workplace environment that Dan Snyder oversaw, the club has been fined $10 million, which for a multi-billionaire is a drop in the bucket. But 
more important to him, he's been taken out of the day-to-day operations of the team. She will oversee day-to-day operations of the team. He will work on a new name for the team and work on getting a new stadium for the team. He can't be involved in day-to-day operations, although he can attend games this season. This doesn't seem like that major of a punishment for Dan Snyder. He was fined $10 million, Randy. He's worth an estimated $2.6 billion. So this doesn't feel like it's going to hit him that hard financially. And yes, he had to divest himself from certain aspects of the business, but we know that he's still going to be involved. It's his wife that's running things. You don't think that he's going to be giving her counsel or be still driving that ship in a lot of ways. I think the biggest thing the NFL did here in protecting Dan Snyder in a lot of ways is that they're not making these findings public. After they did their investigation, instead of putting out a big, long-type report like they've done many times in the past Mm -hmm. when it comes to NFL investigations, they opted to not make this stuff public. And I have to wonder, and maybe it's, Brandy, it's because I'm cynical, and maybe it's because the NFL seems to do things like this when they want to control the narrative or protect certain people within the shield, if you will. I would think that if they're not making it public, it's because there's a lot of things in there that would not favor Dan Snyder and not um, back up their decision. It wouldn't be confirmation bias of what they chose to do. Ultimately, though, Roger Goodell handed down this quote unquote punishment and Roger Goodell is employed by 32 people. One of them is Dan Snyder. And I I don't believe that ultimately Roger Goodell can work in the best interests of the league. He works in the best interests of those those 32 guys and probably did everything he could to punish. That that was all he could do would be my point. Not to defend anything that Roger Goodell ever does. But my guess would be that if he went to the other 31 owners and asked, what should I do? And he gave him, okay, should I actually say what happened and suspend him or... Should I fine him $10 million and make a farcical suspension from day-to-day operations of the team? What should I do? My guess is the other 31 owners are saying, well, I don't know what's going on in my building. So I would say slap on the wrist. Or they're probably saying, oh, he's about to have a new stadium built. Let's keep him around. Yeah. Because that's more money for the league, right? But Jerry Richardson had to sell the the Panthers when all of the reports came out about his inappropriate behavior. That was Jerry Jones' power. But that's my entire point, though, is that it's not the same for everyone. This is, once again, the NFL playing by their own set of rules. And playing by Jerry Jones' set of rules, because Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones are buddies. And especially in the St. Louis situation, Jerry Richardson was not on board with what Jerry Jones was doing And I've heard that Jerry Jones actually commissioned the investigation to find out about Jerry Richardson and was, and I don't know this to be absolute fact, but the rumor is that it was a Jones investigation and a leak to Sports Illustrated that led to the downfall of Jerry Richardson in Carolina. Interesting. So because Jerry Jones doesn't necessarily want Dan Snyder out of the mix, he stays. Yeah. But Jerry Richardson who was revealed to have pretty similar and appropriate behavior, a lot mm-hmm. of the same tones um, that we are seeing from with the Washington football team, he's out. Right. So okay, it, so, it all comes back to the shadow commissioner ultimately, right? Yeah, but it, it all comes back to the NFL once again doing whatever they want to do. 
it doesn't really matter what's in the best interest of the organization or the women who've come forward from the Washington football team and were brave to tell their stories. It doesn't really matter. I, I just think it's it's interesting that the NFL would put out this. When Carl Nassib came out, Randy, they, they put out this video about how the NFL is so inclusive. It was very much uh, promoting other athletes to feel empowered enough to come out if they so chose because the NFL is for everybody. But then you're going to say... It's not, we're not taking that same approach to women. The women who've come forward and said that they were harassed at work, sexually harassed at work, and had to deal with this very disgusting behavior at the hands of the Washington football team, we're going to just keep their owner in place because that benefits us more from a monetary standpoint. So the NFL's for everyone as long as it fits our agenda and what we're trying to do. And didn't you get the impression from the report that you use the word empower, that Dan Snyder essentially empowered men to treat women exceptionally poorly in that building. There's a lot of sexual harassment that goes on in our country, certainly, and in in the workplace. But it seems like Dan Snyder not only allowed it, but basically signed off on it and, heck, with the cheerleaders, encouraged it. With the cheerleaders, I think the the one thing that will always stick out to me in the report is how Dan Snyder would ask the, the team's video production staff to get outtakes from the calendar shoot that might have been more revealing than they were like and put it together in a splice video for him. So if that's what the owner is asking yeah, right. for, what, si- what sort of message or green light does that give everyone else in the organization? Right. And they have gotten rid of a lot of people, replaced a lot of people. They have an entirely new front office. Heck, even their play-by-play man was fired and replaced because of the culture that was promoted by Dan Snyder. And I just have to wonder, with this punishment, how prevalent this sort of behavior is in the league, in the other 31 buildings? Well, I would imagine... Just like in most workplaces in America that over the past few years, a lot of things have come to light because women do see other women speaking out and saying, I'm not going to tolerate this. This is not okay." But I would imagine that it happens in a lot of places in the NFL. And I would imagine that the women who maybe haven't come forward in other places are looking at what happens with the Washington football team and it silences them. But, yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of owners that are looking at what happened with Jerry Richardson or Dan Snyder or Mark Cuban, you know, where there's a lot of things happening in your organization that you may not know or may not have taken a very conscious effort to stop until something like this comes to light. So, yeah, I'm sure there are owners out there who are afraid and they don't want to be next. And we watch games on TV. And just from that perspective, from the football perspective, if you watch their off-season moves and watch the coaching changes and watch coaches that are let go after a year or coaches that like Marty Schottenheimer or coaches that are allowed to stick around forever like John Gruden or Jay Gruden, you can see that it's the worst-run football organization in the NFL. But beyond that, from a business standpoint, it's the worst-run organization in the NFL, too. It's unbelievable how how inept Dan Snyder has been now for 22 years there. And you would think that Roger Goodell or maybe some of the other owners would look at this as an opportunity to cleanse themselves of someone like Dan Snyder, Mm -hmm. who's taken a very historic franchise in Washington and run it into the ground in so many ways. Let's let's even take aside the toxic workplace environment that he fostered, even though that's what we're talking about. 
from an actual football standpoint, people in Washington have wanted him out from the ownership of the team yeah. for a long time. He hasn't been able, he's been getting in his own way for a long time and doesn't seem like a great owner. So then you find out, oh, now all of a sudden we find out not only is he bad from the football operations side, but there's this environment of harassment that's happening within the walls of his organization. Now's the time for us to make sure that we send a message that just like Jerry Richardson, this is not going to be tolerated and we're going to move on from bad owners. But instead, uh, how about a $10 million fine? And then you just let's let's redirect some of your responsibilities, but let's keep it within the family. And the, the email says, having considered Beth Wilkinson's findings and other information brought to uh, her attention, the commission has de- the commissioner has decided that in addition to paying all fees and expenses associated with the investigation, the club will pay $10 million, which will be used to support organizations committed to character edu- character education, not character education, <laughs> character education, anti-bullying, healthy relationships, and related topics. They will also fund programs directed more broadly at improving the workplace, particularly for women and other underrepresented groups, and training and development programs throughout the league with recipients identified with the assistance of respect third-party advisors. If you really want to hurt an owner in a franchise, you take away draft choices. Money doesn't matter to these guys. If you really want to punish an owner, like you did with the Patriots, mm-hmm. you take away draft choices. And clearly, they didn't want to punish Dan Snyder too much. But doesn't that seem like the the cycle here? It's protecting certain owners because even with Spygate, they, yeah. they levied a punishment, air quotes, but after they burned the tapes. Right after what would have really implicated the Patriots or made them look bad was not brought to light with the public. Same thing here. We're going to air quotes, levy a punishment, but we're not going to make it public what we actually found. We're not going to air you guys out because it benefits us. It's more about protection than punishment for the owners. No doubt about it. So $10 million is what the football team pays. And it'll be interesting to see what name for the team Dan Snyder comes up with, since that's his main job right now. It's his only job, really. Yeah. In the stadium, which he's probably got somebody else working on. I'm sure. I'm sure he's just uh, reviewing those things. I don't think it's a day-to-day thing. But imagine, I would imagine if he's in charge of the name and that's really only the, the thing that he has to focus on, we can expect it to be a terrible name. Yes, we can. He will mess that up, yeah. too, I'm sure. And would your expectation be, one final question, that Tanya Snyder will be the only one of the 32 NFL owners that will show up at the meetings wearing leather pants? Does she like leather pants? Apparently. Every photo I've seen. Oh, just that's that's her staple, her wardrobe yeah. staple is leather Pierce pants? Me. Yeah. Then, yeah. I don't I don't know if I see Jerry Jones wearing leather pants no. to the NFL owners Maybe meeting. chaps, though. Jerry? Nah, maybe not. Let's, Randy, that's a, that's a visual we did not need. We do not need it at all. I, I, I apologize. I can't unsee that visual. <laughs> I did not need to think of Jerry and leather chaps. Although I bet it's probably happened at some point. I would think so. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the fight with Carriker and Smallman. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> character and small men in the red corner average joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive please welcome randy character welcome 
Welcome back to Character and Smone on this Friday. It is 8.34. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time for the fight. Yesterday, Justin took Randy on, and he beat him 4-2. to two. Four to two. So Justin is back for day two. He's hoping to win again today to get himself one step closer to the Hall of Fame. Good morning again, Justin. What's up? Good morning, Michelle. How's it going? We are good. Are you ready to take on Randy for the second time? I I don't think I've ever been more ready. I love this. And did you get a lot of positive reinforcements from your friends in the group chat yesterday? I did. We actually all went out together last night. We had a ball, so it was a it was a fun time. Ooh, now did you go out a little too much though? Is your brain a little I foggy? Did n- no, I, I made sure to uh, that I was ready, bright and early. Okay, good. I love that game. Ready. All right. Well, good luck to you, Justin. We're cheering for you. Okay. Thanks. Question number one: Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks defeated the Hawks one twenty three one oh three last night, and they're one win away from advancing to the NBA Finals. What country is Giannis from? Is it Spain, France, or Greece? That's going to be Greece. Nolan Arnauto was elected as a twenty twenty one All Star Game starter last night. The last time the Cardinals had a position player elected as a starter to the All Star Game was in twenty eighteen. Who was it? Was it Yadier Molina? Paul DeYoung or Matt Carpenter? Uh, I'm going to go Paul DeYoung. Question number three. The Lightning and Canadians square off tonight in game three of the Stanley Cup final with Tampa Bay leading two games to none. Who did the Lightning defeat in the 2020 Stanley Cup finals? Is it the Vegas Golden Knights, the Dallas Stars, or the Colorado Avalanche? Oh, man, I should know this one. Um <laughs> I'm going to what was the first the first team? Your options are Vegas, Dallas, or Colorado. Uh, I'm going to go Vegas. And who is the Cardinals' all-time leader in extra base hits? Is it Albert Pujols, Stan Musial, or Rogers Hornsby? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go Musial. Okay, checking the score here. I don't know where Randy is chit-chatting. He's on his way in. Uh, Justin, I love that your buddies took you out to celebrate your big fight victory yesterday. I think that's awesome. Yeah, we went to a concert in Tampa Park. It was an awesome time. Oh, that sounds great. Randy, say hello to Justin. You remember him. He beat you yesterday. I do remember <laughs> Justin. Good to have you with us again, sir. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself, Randy? Everything's great. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. And, Randy, you remember yesterday Justin said his friends were listening? Yes. After he beat you yesterday, his friends took him out to celebrate last night. That's good. That's good. I hope you're a little hungover then today. I asked him oh, if he boy. maybe uh, indulged a little too much. Foggy brain, he said, nope, nope. Be sure to cut it off, get some rest. He was ready to go. All right. That's what we like to hear. You're a gamer. He is. Question number one, Randy. Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks defeated the Hawks 123-103 last night. Oh, Giannis did, huh? Yeah. Well, Giannis wasn't there, but that's a, I, I Ron burgundy did it, Randy. I'm okay. just reading the sheet here. Okay. So how about we just say this? The Bucks defeated the Hawks 123-103 last night. They were one win away from advancing to the NBA Finals. What country is Giannis from? I'm going to go with Greece because his nickname is the Greek Freak. You would think. Yeah. You would think. I don't know if everyone knows that. You didn't know that Messi no. was from Argentina. so. Well, the, it, it doesn't say Argentinian assassin or anything. Actually, that's a great nickname. Thank you. Uh, I like that, that would one. be a good nickname. The yeah. Argent, Would it be Argentine assassin? Good question. I do not know. If Argentine assassin it would sound better. Argentinian assassin is a little long. Yeah. All right. Next question. Nolan Arnato was elected as a 2021 All-Star Game starter last night. 
The last time the Cardinals had a position player elected as a starter to the All-Star game was 2018. Who was it? 2018, several years ago, it would not have been, well, let's see. 2019, DeYoung made it. DeYoung has never been elected. So we had uh, maybe Yachty. Did we have anybody else in 2018 worthy of going? I don't think so. We didn't have a shortstop or a second baseman. I'll, I'll do the uh, lifeline here just in case. Your options are Yachty or Molina, Paul DeYoung, Matt Carpenter. I'm going to go with Yachty. Randy, the Lightning and Canadians square off tonight in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final with Tampa Bay leading two games to none. Mm-hmm. Who did the Lightning defeat in the 2020 Stanley Cup Finals? That would be last year's Stanley Cup Finals. 2020, yes. Okay. Uh, the Lightning defeated from the West the Dallas Stars. And who is the Cardinals' all-time leader in extra base hits? Extra base hits for the Cardinals. Okay, so you had uh, Albert with all of those doubles and Stan 475, Albert 445 home runs. I'm going to go Albert Pujols. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We've got a a tie on our hands here. A tie on our hands. Justin and Randy both got two correct, which means that we are going to the tiebreaker question. Justin, here's how this is going to work. I'm, I got three to two. Or three to, yeah, three to two. Which, let's compare. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We're comparing and contrasting here, Justin. Oh, no. Oh, you're right. I wrote it down incorrectly. My bad. Ring it, Emily. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Just win, baby. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. I got you all hyped hey. for nothing. That was my bet. Because I was re- I was didn't think that this was the score of the game last night. So I totally Ron Burgundied the first question. I said Giannis was there. He was not there. I read 123-03. The actual score of the game was 123-112. So I was just I was looking up something. I messed up. Justin, I'm sorry to give you false hope. That was my bad. But That's Randy, okay. it was two days, two days in a row with two days a in a row. I know, Justin. I'm what? so sorry. And it was so close, three to two. It was three to two. What happened was I didn't think that was the score, and I was looking it up, and then I wrote down that Randy got the second question wrong, and he got it correct. So just so everybody knows behind the scenes. Um, all right, Giannis is from Greece. He's the Greek freak, and just so you know, the Bucks defeated the Hawks. The actual score of the game was one twenty three, one twelve. It was not one twenty three, one oh three. Yadier Molina was the last time the Cardinals had a position player elected as a starter to the All Star game in twenty eighteen. The Lightning defeated the Dallas Stars in the twenty twenty Stanley Cup Finals, and the Cardinals' all time leader in extra base hits is Stan Musial, one thousand three hundred seventy seven. Justin, thanks for playing. Sorry to talk with your emotions. (laughs) Not not a problem. You guys have a great weekend and a a happy holiday. You too. Thank you very much. By the way, uh, Lionel Messi's nicknames are the Atomic Flea, La Puiga Atomica, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mesedona, La Puiga, or Leo. Those are the five nicknames. The Argentine or Argentinian assassin is not one of the nicknames on the list. Can you really say Leo is... A nickname? 
Well, Lionel. Yeah, right, so. but that's not a nickname. That's that's your name's nickname. That's like saying that Yachty's nickname is Yachty. It's just a shortening of his name. Good point. Whereas, you know, the man, like Stan the man, that's his nickname. Mutual, obviously. Yeah. Uh-oh, uh-oh, we're getting texts, Randy. Whoa. Brandon Kylie, you know him. Uh-huh. Host of the Danny Mac Show with BK and, of yep. course, BK and Ferrario texts in, this fight is under protest. The Cardinals didn't have a starter in the 2018 All-Star Game. Hashtag justice for Justin. Hmm. Emily, we need to look this up. Thank you, BK, that's, for listening, and thank you for the text. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, did, what did he say the answer was? He said Paul DeYoung. Hmm. But if the question is if there's no position player elected as a starter to the to the All-Star Game in 2018, right. it's a it's a faulty question. Paul DeYoung was a reserve. Okay. But was Yachty a starter? That, he, he was on the starters list. But was he a starter? It says the question is the last Le- time the Cardinals had a position player elected, elected as a starter in 2018. Well, like Mike Trout was elected to as a starter, but he was he's not playing. So, I don't know. What do we do here? Is this justice for Justin? But if he was elected as a starter, that's still the answer. Mike Trout was elected as a starter. Right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. So the question stands is what we're saying. BK, chill. Unless there was an injury. And the reason that Yachty started was because of an injury and somebody uh, was elected and like Mike Trout and didn't play. Then he wasn't elected as a starter. He just started. What year are we talking? Listen, I just need to read this text from the 314. Don't mess with Justin and don't stab Tommy Pham. We're putting these in the same category Agreed. now. Two times we've messed with Justin, two times we know that Tommy Pham has been stabbed. <laughs> we have messed with Justin and we have messed with I him. almost wonder if we need to bring him back. We sh- we'll confer off air, but we did toy with his emotions twice. And what was the question wrong? I don't know. We need to figure this out. We need to figure this out. We're figuring it out right now. This do is going to happen. Do I need to vamp here while you look at it? No, we're, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's, we, I can talk. As okay, we're I'm getting texts. Contreras was elected the starter in 2018. Molina wasn't elected. Contreras won that vote in 2018. I think the question is incorrect. Per the text line, but let's go to the facts. Let's go to baseball reference or something. Maybe MLB.com has a list. Okay, we'll find that out. We need to find, yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, the final vote for the 2018 all-Star Game, full selections and starters. Uh, for the National League, it was Wilson Contreras who won the vote. Okay. Okay, I was wrong. Looks like we need to bring... So sorry. So, Justin, it's a tie then. It's a tie. Do we get Justin on for the tie why, why is it a tie? Because then you got... It's not, a, it's not the correct question. So don't we throw it out? And I still win two to one? No. Then it's a 2-2 tie because you both, if that question's removed, you both got question number one correct. You got three correct. He got four correct. So it's 2-2. It's a tie. I'm I'm confused here. So, if so he, nobody got that one right, no, correct? Correct. Okay, so I, I would have gotten it right. So it's a tie. So justice for Justin. So got it. Should we bring him back for the tiebreaker? Absolutely. Or just, or just bring him back Monday? Yeah, bring him back Monday. Okay. Tuesday, 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 Tuesday. Oh yeah, Tuesday. Justin, if you're listening, congratulations. We'll bring you back Tuesday, right? Is this yeah. what's happening, guys? There you go. That just happened. Wow. Well, right. But Randy, good effort out of you. Uh, thank you. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls on 101 <laughs> ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, we talked about Shakari Richardson, who had tested positive for marijuana um, ahead of her going to Tokyo for the Olympics. Just and enjoying a little bobo. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> uh, some news coming out of that situation. She has accepted a one-month suspension after testing positive for marijuana. She's going to miss the 100 meters in Tokyo. It's unclear if she's going to be able to run the 4 by 100 relay, which will take place after her sus- suspension expires. She was on the Today Show this morning on NBC and said that she ingested marijuana after learning in an interview that her biological mother had died. She said, quote, I want to take responsibility for my actions. I know what I did. I know what I'm allowed to do. And I still made that decision. And she said basically that she was just trying to hide the the pain and she did it and tested positive. And now, unfortunately, she's not going to be able to compete in at least one event because of that one month suspension. I don't blame her in a situation like that for partaking of some some of the crying weed. The, the devil's lettuce is something that people utilize to reduce their pain because it is magic smoke. And if she wants to partake of some of that sweet Lucy, then I don't think that any of us should cast any aspersions because essentially she she had to have some butterflower. When you learn that your biological mother has died. There's a lot of things that you you can do. And she's in obviously really good condition. And she said, well, I'm going to turn to Broccolo. And so she did. And, you know, if the, if Beliando Spruce is how you self-medicate, then go for it. I have no problem with it. Here's more of what she had to say this morning. Um, Again, she, and this was her biological mother. It wasn't aunt Mary. No, it was her bio, biological mother who'd yeah. passed away. She ingested the marijuana as a coping mechanism after learning of that news. But Shikari says, quote, we all have our different struggles. We all have our different things we deal with. But to put on a face and have to go out in front of the world and put on a face and hide my pain, who are you? Who am I to tell you how to cope with what you're dealing with or a pain you're dealing with, a struggle that you've never experienced before or that you've never thought you'd have to deal with? Who am I to tell you how to cope? Who am I to tell you you're wrong for hurting? So I just think the whole situation is heartbreaking. She loses her biological mother. She, in that moment, made a decision based on her emotions to cope with her pain. And now her her dreams of being an Olympian, at least for one event, not not there anymore. It's just a very tough situation altogether. And again, with marijuana, with marijuana being legalized in yeah. so many states, it's just really hard to wrap your head around the fact that this is something that could stop her from going on and, and winning a medal. And who are we to say that Bambalacha is not a good coping mechanism? Some people will turn to that. Some people will will eat. Some people will have both types of burrito. Burrito. Yeah, she can have a burrito from Qdoba. She can have just a, a fatty, a, a burrito. So I, w- I wish her well. A fatty. Randy. Wait, speaking of burritos, you were telling me that you ran into some listeners at Qdoba yesterday. Oh, Weird yeah. transition, yeah. but we should shout them out. Absolutely. So I'm at Qdoba in line. Actually, I was waiting for a an online order. 
And Charlie comes up and says, hey, I listen to you guys every day. I wasn't able to listen this morning because I was in surgery. I said, man, you okay? And he said, oh, I sell medical supplies. That's why I was in surgery. Oh, got so it. So that was cool. And then uh, Jason comes up, and Jason's been listening to me. He said, I've been listening to you for a long time. He was young. I said, probably your whole life, right? He said, yeah. So thank you to him. And then Josh, who works in a doctor's office here in the Creevecore area, also listens. Three consecutive people came up and said they listened every day. So that was very nice of them. Appreciate it. And you know what's crazy? I got a message yesterday from a woman named Allison who said that her husband, Nick Henry, from Ellisville, Missouri, listens every single day and that we're a bright spot in his morning. And I just wanted to... Shout him out to Nick Henry from Ellisville for listening. So thank you to everyone who does listen. It's an honor for us to share your morning with you. Yeah, it's we love having them around. Absolutely. So and thank you to Allison for the sweet message. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, all of our Olympians can't say. I don't do drugs, though. Just we. But they they can say that, though. I don't do drugs. Just weed. Yeah. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> she does. I can't laugh today. Would you go to weed college? You know, this is actually a really sad story, and you're making me laugh about it. It's kind of, I feel badly that I'm. You're using the drops to make me laugh. When poor Shikari, she's dealing with a family death. She's coping, and now she her Olympic dreams are dashed. It's awful. It's. I feel bad for. Her. I do too. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Randy. So we talked about this a little bit during Take It or Leave It, but I want to revisit it. So a lot of people now that college athletes are granted the rights to profit off their name, images, and likeness are wondering if USC, former USC running back Reggie Bush is going to get his records instated, his Heisman Trophy that he won in 2005 back. He said, quote, it is my strong belief that I won the Heisman Trophy solely due to my hard work and dedication on the football field. And it's also my firm belief that my records should be reinstated. So after a four-year extra benefits investigation determined that Reggie Bush and his family were getting cash, travel expenses, a home in the San Diego area where his parents live rent-free for a while. They got $10,000 to furnish said home. He had to return his Heisman. But he says his team has reached out to both the Heisman Trust and the NCAA on multiple occasions. And there's really no movement here on the Reggie Bush Heisman being reinstated front. He said we left multiple messages for Michael Comerford, the president of the Heisman Trust, but instead received a call from Rob Whalen, who is the executive director, who stated that Mr. Comerford would not be calling us back and that in any event, they could not help us. So Heisman Trust, NCAA, giving the old Heisman hand gesture, Randy stopping Reggie Bush and his plight to get his trophy back. You I like know. how I did that? You know, stiff arming yeah, yeah, him? He's, they're That's giving good. him the Heisman stiff arm. Now, I, I don't know how the Heisman committee whoever it is, or the NCAA changes their rules retroactively. Because when those infractions occurred, the rules were in place. So now that the rules, and I think they are still in place, you you still can't accept illegal benefits. You, You can use your name, image, and likeness. If the exact same thing happened today, unless he's doing ads, he can't accept things to help him to promote his going to a university that's still against the rules everything that he did his parents taking the the house free of charge all of that stuff still against the rules so those rules haven't changed so i think it's great that he wants his heisman trophy back i think it's stupid that his records aren't in the book because we saw him do it we saw it but 
I think he needs to read the rules about the NIL and what is happening in college football right now before he should have, before he sent that letter. Do you think he's ever going to get his Heisman back? I doubt it. I wouldn't think so. If they're not answering his calls now, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm on team give Reggie the Heisman back. I know you're not, but I'm on team give him give him the trophy back. Well, it, it's just a symbol of how great he was. See, I, I still consider him. I voted for him. I watched him play. I still consider him the Heisman Trophy winner mm-hmm. from that year because I think the rules have been stupid, but the rules were in place, even though I think the rule, I, I think a speed limit of 55 is stupid. That's why I go 85. But just because I think the rules are stupid doesn't mean they don't apply to me. And it, to your to your point, you got if you get caught going 85 and you get the ticket and I'm going 85 and I speed right past you, you still got caught. Right. Because I think Reggie Bush was likely not the only collegiate athlete at that time that was getting improper benefits or maybe getting his family taken care of. But he's the one that got caught. And in 15 years, if they increase the speed limit to 85 miles an hour, I can go back to them, but they aren't giving me my money back. Still such a stupid rule. It was stupid then. I'm glad that college athletes are allowed to make some cash now. It's been interesting, too, to see all the partnerships that have sprung up for college athletes overnight, essentially. It's great to see them get a little hashtag sponsored post on social media. They've earned it. So one player got a $2 million. Did you see this? A $2 million deal at Tennessee State. And it's, it's, hold on. Who was the guy that was... uh, Ricky Williams' first agent. It's uh, Master P's son, Hersey Miller, signed a $2 million endorsement deal, and he is going to go to Tennessee State, with a, and he's got a tech company that is representing him to the tune of $2 million bucks. I love it. Yeah, they, they deserve it. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. And thank you uh, for being with us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, today's big thing. Where do the Cardinals go from here after losing the opener to the Rockies last night? Plus, coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Joe Micheletti and George Sedano on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 9.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. The Cardinals will take on the Colorado Rockies again tonight in Colorado. The Redbirds only scored two runs last night, and they wound up losing 5-2 on a three-run homer by Elias Diaz in the bottom of the ninth inning. Paul DeYoung on what the Cardinals need to do moving forward. I think we just got to score more runs. Uh, I think our defense and pitching has been great. Um, we just got to line it up together as a group. Also, I think we got to just stay positive. Um, we know what we're capable of, and so you know we can't get down on things like this. Um, we got to win games that we need to win. So it's no magic pill, but I think just uh, grinding it out day by day and uh, you know leaning on each other when times get tough. I think uh, you know looking at each other, and knowing that we're all going through this together, will give us a boost. Pretty awesome cliches right there. We know what we're capable of. Grind through it every day. Every day. Looking at each other, knowing we're all going through it together. That's true, though. Sometimes when you go through a bad experience with people, it brings you closer. That's certainly true. Here's what you need to do going forward. Come up with more than seven hits and two runs in Denver. Yeah. It's a start. Yeah. Especially when Adam Wainwright goes out and he gives you the performance he gave you last night. 110 pitches. I, I just, I hate 
anytime you're going to waste an Adam Wainwright start, but especially last night when you're in this position where you sweep the Diamondbacks, you have a little bit of momentum here. Harrison Bader is coming back. It's it's your teammate Nolan Arenado's return to Colorado. Adam Wainwright, who's been the stopper mm -hmm. for you, is on the mound. He goes out there and gives you his all and then some. You're in a position to win, and then you can't get it done. I said to you first thing this morning, I don't want to be dramatic, but last night felt like a must-win game for me, and the fact that the Cardinals lost and the, the manner in which they lost, it just felt like yet another dagger to this team. The Cardinals are a reasonably talented team, but the way things are going this year, and by the way, I do think that not having Jack Flaherty affects the club mentally. It affects, you have that win day every fifth day. You know that, okay, our big guy's taking the mound. It does affect the team mentally. But without Jack Flaherty and with the performance of people like Paul DeYoung, haven't seen much of Bader this year, the fall off of Tommy Edmond, this team probably is at 40 and 42 Probably, as Bill Parcells would say, say, you are what your record says you are. Mm -hmm. We're halfway through the season, and I think that's legit with this club. I know that all the players believe, and they should, that they're better than the record says they are. I would respectfully disagree with them. I think they're better than the record says they are. They haven't had a complete... Now, I think their, rhetor... their record is better than it says they are. If they're healthy, if they have a completely healthy team, Atlanta which, too. which they do not. And most teams in baseball are deal dealing yeah. with in injuries at this point. But I think that if, if you are the Cardinals, you're looking at your record and you're looking at the collection of talent that you have on this team. And you should be better. You absolutely should be better this. Even with the injuries that you sustain, there's no excuse for the offensive performance that we've seen over the past month. When you still have the majority of your lineup intact, you should be winning more games, even with the injuries. So, I don't think that they're wrong. I don't disagree with them that they think that they're better than their record says they are. They, they should think that. But health is a big part of this. You haven't had Bader in center field. I believe he's more important actually defensively than offensively. But you haven't had Flaherty. So, yes, health has been an issue, but that's part of the deal. When you have injuries, you have to deal with injuries. The 2015 Cardinals mm -hmm. lost Adam Wainwright. That's right. They lost their ace in April, and they wound up winning 100 games. They haven't overcome the adversity. And, hey, you've got some guys that are incapable, Carlos Martinez, we're looking at you, of dealing with adversity. And so... He answered the call this his last outing. He did. And next time, he'll implode. That's who he is. I, I also... Uh, I don't know if it was the, on the pregame show or the, excuse me, the postgame show, whatever it was, but I was uh, listening to someone that was talking. I wish I could cite who it was. I'm very sorry. But someone was talking about how it seems like whatever Mike Schultz said to Carlos Martinez that he found a way to motivate him. And that's always been one of the big challenges with Carlos is finding ways to motivate him. We talked about this in the off season two seasons ago, right? And before the pandemic, when the carrot was dangled for him to be a starter, we need to motivate Carlos to get what he ultimately wants. At some point, if you're the Cardinals, are you not just burnt out on trying to find ways to motivate him start after start? It seems like this is a never ending process with him and Mo told us the other day and I agree with him when the Cardinals signed Martinez to that contract everybody thought it was a pretty good deal but he hasn't been saying the same since he signed the contract there appears to be a level of perhaps satisfaction with him but he also doesn't appear to be the most focused individual so where do the Cardinals go from here Michelle 
another thing Mo said is we are not going to sacrifice our future for hope this year, to paraphrase. If I were them, if somebody comes and wants Andrew Miller at the deadline, I, I'm fine with moving on from Andrew Miller because he's not going to be back next year anyway. Right. Your other free agents, Marp, nobody's, no contender is coming to get Marp. No contender is coming to get Carlos. You already moved Dexter Fowler. So Miller's probably the only guy to move. KK, I don't think a contender comes after KK and says, we can use him to help win a division. You just don't know enough about him. True, but pitching is at a premium right now, and I think a lot of people might be looking at him and saying, this is someone that's effective enough that could maybe eat up some innings for us, and we we need some arms to maybe bridge the gap until an, an injured guy comes back or, or just to go out there and give us those innings. So then, I could see people having interest in him. It, it probably depends on what he does in July then. But my point is, if I'm the Cardinals, if I do anything I'm selling, I'm not buying because with the knowledge that Jack Flaherty won't be back until August, that you likely won't see Michaelis and Hicks until August, it's going to be too late by then. Mm -hmm. So right now, as we sit here on July 2nd, I'm thinking that the Cardinals, if anything, sell some minor pieces, but most likely just maintain the status quo as they head down the stretch. Yeah, I, I can't really foresee them making too much of a splash when it when it comes to the trade deadline. But I don't I don't know if they need to. To your point, if this is what the team is and they're looking ahead to twenty twenty two, even if that's not what they're they're saying outwardly, they they don't wanna disrupt things too much. Yep. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. We have Stanley Cup Game 3 tonight from Montreal. The Canadians and the Lightning coming up. Joe Micheletti will be on the call here on 101 ESPN. We're going to talk to him about the Stanley Cup final and about whether or not Vladimir Tarasenko would be a fit with the Rangers. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Derricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Game three of the Stanley Cup Finals from Montreal tonight here on 101 ESPN. And Joe Micheletti will be on the broadcast. We're looking forward to that. He's been great on games one and two because he's great every single time he calls a hockey game. The former Blues assistant and former Blues broadcaster and former Blues player joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joe, it's always good to hear your voice. Good morning. How are you doing? Hey, doing great, Randy. Michelle, thanks for the kind words. Everything's good. Thank you. Well, Joe, they're down 2 nothing. so what are some keys for Montreal as they go against the Lightning in Game 3? You know, I guess the obvious one, Michelle, is, is find a way to score against Andre Vasilevsky. I, I thought Montreal was the much better team in Game Number 2, which, um, which was a little bit of their pattern because if you go back to the previous series against Vegas, they weren't very good in the first game against Vegas. And a lot of people thought, well, this is going to be a short series, four or five games. And then they, you know, they turned it around and uh, they were the much better team and ended up beating Vegas in six. So, uh, so the same thing kind of happened in this with the exception of they couldn't find a way to beat uh, Andre Vasilevsky. So, you know, they, they have two goals in two games that obviously is not enough to win. So I, I think what they'll, I think they come into game three, Michelle, with a lot more confidence in knowing that they played well enough to win. 
but they're going to have to do a few more things, including trying to get more deflections and more screenshots uh, against Vasilevsky in order to uh, find a way to beat him. Joe, it seems to me that when you have as many star players as Tampa Bay has, it's hard to put together the other elements to build a Stanley Cup championship team. This is kind of like, it looks to me like a team that's built outside of the salary cap, but within the cap. It's really a good unit, isn't it? You know, Randy, I I think about this this Tampa Bay team, and um, you know, I think back to I think way back to when we were trying to beat the Islanders in in the early '80s, and at that time, you know, the Islanders they they won four four straight Stanley Cups, and they had the type of team that when you would think about how you would beat them, they had an answer to every way that you would come up with. If you tried to, you know, outscore them, that was difficult. If you tried to outhit them, that was a difficult way to beat them. If you tried to out-tough them, uh, you couldn't do that either. If you tried to intimidate them, that that wouldn't work. If you tried to out-goaltend them or or out-check uh, them, uh, that would be a difficult thing to do as well. And so, you know, this this Tampa Bay team kind of has all those different elements that uh, and different ways they can beat you. And they showed it in game two where, you know, they weren't the better team by any means, but they had the better goaltender. And the goaltender, uh, without question, won them the game. You know, it really helped, Randy, that um, for them, there were so many question marks going into the season about how they were going to deal with the salary cap, with, with the roster they had and the players they needed to resign. The fact that they were able to put Kucherov on the uh, long-term IR list for the entire season with his salary of over $9 million allowed them to re-sign some players and, and uh, you know, and keep their team intact for the most part. And, you know, it was under the rules. They didn't break any rules to do that. And then they get him back in the playoffs. He's one of the best players. So, you know, the, the salary cap is always an issue, but they've, uh, they've utilized it well. Joe, I wanted to ask you about the local product, the St. Louis and Pat Maroon, who is primed to win his third consecutive Stanley Cup. And Pat Maroon is not the guy who's going to be the number one star every night, but he just plays such a vital role on not only the Lightning, but with, when he was with the Blues in a team's success. And it, it's just crazy to me to think of all people that Pat Maroon is the guy that's in line to win a third Stanley Cup in a row. You know, he's such a good story and he's such a, he's such a good guy. I mean, personal, uh, uh, personally, when you get to, you can get to know Pat um, and he's such a, he's such an excellent teammate. And so when you think back just a couple of years ago to Michelle, when, and you remember when, um, when Tampa Bay got swept by Columbus uh, in the first round, and that was a year that a lot of people picked, Tampa Bay to win the cup as they did the previous year and the previous year to that, they've had this long stretch. And then they, they kind of looked at themselves and they said, what are we missing? And part of what they were missing was just a, a, a team toughness, a grit that you have to have to win a Stanley cup. And so, so Pat was, you know, one of the first ones that, that joined that list that they went out and, and signed uh, to add to what they needed. And they added more on defense. And then they made a couple of, uh, of trade deadline deals that brought in Barkley Goodrow and, and Coleman, who not only add some toughness and grit to the way they play, but they can also score. And they can, you know, it's a, it's a fabulous third line. So Pat was kind of the, was kind of the centerpiece, I think, to that. 
and now gave them something that they that they didn't have before. And so when something starts going a little awry or crazy, as we see in Stanley Cup playoffs, guess who's in the middle of it? It's Pat Maroon, and then he's got other teammates, and it's a, now it's a team toughness that they have. So they can't be physically intimidated, and a lot of that has to do with uh, with the way Pat is and and the way he plays. And and the other thing, and it's not just that he's got he's got excellent hands for a big man, and so you can throw him on the power play, and you can uh, you know he can he can he can make some plays, and that's something that you have to be able to do. Um, to stay in the league. So he's a good story. Our friend Joe Micheletti with us on 101 ESPN. And Joe, we wanted to talk to you about the Blues because the report came down from uh, Frank Saravelli earlier in the week that Vladimir Tarasenko, who has an old trade clause with the Blues, has given the Blues a list of teams w- that he would be willing to be traded to. I want to start with this. The guy's played 34 games in the last two years and had three shoulder surgeries. Do you think that the return for Tarasenko can still be strong for the Blues? I think so, uh, because there's always teams that are looking for more scoring. And depending on, it depends on which teams uh, that he will be, or that will allow Doug Armstrong to uh, talk to and whether they have cap space. Uh, you know, that's, that's such a big thing now. You know, every dollar is so uh, important to these teams because of, you know, the, the cap is going to stay the same for a while. And so I think you, you have more teams that um, on a daily basis, you know, if they don't need a player and they, can, and, and they don't have to worry about sending them to the minors so they can save a few dollars here and there over the course of the season, that's become much, much more important. And so then the other factor you have is how happy is the player? You know, is the, does the player want to move on and, and get to a new uh, a new situation for whatever reasons. And, and we've seen it, you know, players, players change over time, either from a standpoint of how they play, um, where they want to play, uh, who they want to play with, uh, you know, once they, as they mature, get married, have kids, a, a lot of things, a lot of players and top players go through all these different changes in their lives. And, and sometimes uh, it's best for both the team and the organization to try and make a deal uh, that is helpful for both. So it, it doesn't surprise me um, that uh, these things are happening because it's going on throughout the league. Joe, one of the teams that people are talking about here is the Rangers, a young team, a lot of cap space. Tarasenko and Panarin are friends. Just from a skill standpoint, does Vladdy fit in with what Chris Drury and Gerard Gallant and the, the Rangers would seem to be heading towards? Uh, personally, I don't think so. Um, and the reason I say that is there's, there's no question about Tarasenko's you know, talent. Um, but to me, I, I think that, and again, I'm, I'm not Chris Fury, uh, but I'm just, uh, when I look at the Rangers and where they are, they've got strength on the wings. And if anything, I think they'd be looking for a top-notch number two center. And, and, and a little bit more uh, stability on defense. So, you know, they, they've, got, they've got a lot of wings on this team, both, uh, you know, both like Panarin, who's 28, 29, and then they've got a lot of youth that are really top prospects. So unless they're willing to give up some of their top prospects on the wings, 
in order to get somebody established as Tarasenko, um, you know, that, you know, that again is something that they would decide, but, but it is a strength of theirs. And I I would think that get, you know, getting a center defenseman would be uh, first and foremost, but again, I'm not the general manager. You should be. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. No, <laughs> it's all it's all good where I am. Good. Well, John, they have a lot of they have a lot of pressure. It's it's changed over the years. Yeah, it sure has. Well, I'll ask you one more hypothetical GM question, Joe. A lot of people in St. Louis are really dreaming about the idea of Matthew Kachuk coming to the Blues. There's rumors that he may want out of Calgary. Do you see that happening in any way? Do you see Calgary moving on from Matthew Kachuk? I, what I see is I, I see Calgary trying to make some changes to their team, and uh, I don't I don't think that Matthew Kachuk is someone that they say this is someone that we should move. Uh, to me, Matthew Kachuk is a player that you you can build around, and especially when you watch the playoffs, you know, just watch what's going on in the playoffs. I mean, you you've got to have grit and toughness and attitude and. And uh, and talent, and so to me, Matthew Kachuk has all those things. Now, can they move a player like Matthew Kachuk and get a couple of pieces back that they need? And so then it makes it, you know it makes the trade look like you're getting rid of you know you're you're maybe weakening yourself at one position, but you're strengthening yourself at a couple other spots. So you know, and again, there's always the cap issue that that is is part of this. So. Um, I, you know, I look at, uh, to me, he is a, he is a Daryl Sutter type of player, hard nosed, uh, and can play. And so, you know, whether that takes time for those, for, for that to work out there or not, uh, we'll see, you know, would he love to come back to, to St. Louis, you know, probably because of his ties there. But, uh, I think there, there, I think there's a list of teams around the national hockey league that would get in line to make that deal. Joe Micheletti, we love hearing your voice on the broadcast of the Stanley Cup Finals here on 101 ESPN, and we always appreciate your time when you join us on one of the shows. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of the finals and a great offseason, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Randy, Michelle, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. That is the great Joe Micheletti, the best analyst in terms of teaching the game that I've ever heard in hockey. He, he's taught me so much in watching him do the games. And he's a great guy as well. So good to have him with us. Next up, we're going to talk NBA playoffs and finals on the way with George Sedano of ESPN LA, ESPN Basketball. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you, and the NBA continues here on 101 ESPN as it'll be the Bucks and the Hawks tomorrow with game number six of their series, and the Bucks have a chance to put it away in Atlanta. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. George Sedano of ESPN. He has sideline coverage of the NBA on ESPN. Also, ESPN Los Angeles joins us now. Former co-worker up in Bristol with Michelle. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. Thanks for having me. George, I wanted to ask you first about Chris Paul. Randy and I were just talking about Chris Paul during the break. And this trip to the finals, long overdue, what does this do to his legacy? Not only getting to the finals, but doing so with this Suns team. Well, Michelle, it's great to hear your voice. Um, Randy, you as well, as, I, uh, as you introduced me. But the, uh, the reality with Chris Paul is this, is he was by far the best player prior to the other night 
to have never reached the NBA Finals. I mean, the next best player, if you look at their resume, was probably George Gervin. And I think the gap between Chris and George, as far as where they rank all time, is pretty significant. So he's just had so much bad luck in his career. And let's face it, if you look at what happened in the first round when he had that really bad stinger against the Lakers, it was kind of like, oh no, here we go again with poor Chris Paul. Uh, But he was able to overcome that because, Michelle, I think the difference is he came to a team that was ready, that was kind of on the precipice of being not only a playoff team, but a team that could potentially contend. Now, they've had some good fortune along the way, right? Anthony Davis gets hurt. LeBron is kind of dinged up. Uh, They've dealt with some things that uh, internally as well that have worked out in their favor. But I think it's just the combination of, you know, good fortune. And he's found the right guy to kind of partner up with, particularly in Devin Booker. Devin is basically a 24-year-old version of Chris Paul. Chris said it the other day. He's he's like an old soul, that he's the oldest 24-year-old he's ever met. And he's a lot like him. He watches games every single night. Like, that's where his focus is. And he's a crazy competitor. Like, the, com- the, the level of competition, even amongst themselves in practice, was just off the charts. And it's just something that Chris hasn't had in regards to uh, a previous teammate where the same personality has been able to kind of mesh together. The egos in the past perhaps have gotten in the way. And I think Chris has learned from those experiences, but has also kind of met his match and kind of his, uh, you know, has now has a a guy in Devin who can be kind of a, a, a mentee of sorts. George, at the moment, Phoenix has their guys with Paul and Booker and DeAndre Ayton along with uh, their their supporting cast. And it seems like at best in the finals, Atlanta with Trey Young and Milwaukee with or without Giannis, if those guys are playing, they're going to be compromised. Does Phoenix have a pretty distinct advantage here because they've won the war of attrition? No question. I, I don't think there's any question about that. And look, regardless, they've also been pretty dominant in the postseason this year, despite some of the issues they had early on in that Lakers series where they were down two to one, I mean, they pretty much took care of business against Denver fairly easily. (laughs) So those games weren't even very competitive, to be honest with you. So when they're at full strength, they, they are a team to be reckoned with for sure. But yeah, the battle of attrition this year in the NBA is unlike anything we've seen. If I recall the number correctly, I think all-star caliber players this season have missed almost 20% of the games, and that includes the playoffs. So this has been kind of like an NFL type of season where we see this much more often, the battle of attrition in the NBA this particular year. George, I want to go back a couple of weeks to the 76ers getting bounced and all of the conversations surrounding Ben Simmons. Philadelphia says they're going to work with him in the offseason, try to help him refine his skills. But what do you think happens with Ben Simmons? Do you think that that situation in Philadelphia specifically is something that can be fixed? You know, I'll tackle your first question first. Like, what is it? I don't know, uh, to be frank with you. It's interesting because this past summer, I did a feature on Anthony Edwards, who was the number one pick in the draft this past season. And with that feature, I spent a couple of days with him and the guy he was working out with was Ben Simmons. And they were going back and forth, you know, one-on-one, three-on-three, you know, if they played some runs five-on-five or whatnot. And in those runs, you know, I would see Ben Simmons shooting the ball without any hesitation. Now, granted, they weren't always going in or whatnot, but the hesitation part was not there. 
And I don't understand why in the games they're, they're there. I, that it's just, I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, I, I understand to this extent that he understands that he's not great at it. So he's great at a lot of other things. So he tries to do what he's great at, which is a passing the ball. Cause nobody has gotten his teammates more open threes than Ben Simmons over the last two years. And two, defensively, he's incredible. He finished number two in the defensive player of the year voting. But at some point, when you don't have enough offensive threats around you, you need to become an offensive threat. So I think he's taking that more seriously this offseason and perhaps uh, will find a way to not only enhance his skills in the offseason and work on that, but apply it during the regular season. But I I don't know why it is. I mean, I've talked to him about it. He just... He just tries to say things like, I try to play the right way um, and, and give up what the defense is giving us, but, which is generally the rule of thumb. But sometimes in a playoff series, when things get bogged down and you, get play, you play things in the mud, you may have to force the issue a couple of times, and I think he's learning that. ESPN's George Sedano with us with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. George, that was a pretty imp- impressive performance by the Bucks last night without Giannis. Granted, Atlanta doesn't have Trey Young, but that that was to me a really impressive performance by Milwaukee. What did you think? Yeah, look, Chris Middleton is a really good player. Drew Holiday was signed to a max deal, and they traded three first round picks for him for a reason. Like this team is good, and the resurgence of Brook Lopez in Milwaukee over the last several years has been really impressive. This is a guy that we felt like was casted aside after his days with Brooklyn and New Jersey, but. Ultimately, what we've seen in the NBA, and this has helped Milwaukee some, is kind of the resurgence of the big man or the importance of the big man. And we've seen that with Phoenix, with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, we saw it even a little bit with the Clippers and the mixture of Evita Zubats and DeMarcus Cousins. And certainly the Lakers last year where they had guys that played important roles, whether it was Anthony Davis or even Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think that we're seeing a little bit of that. But I think that they're, they're just a team that's pretty deep. And even without Giannis, as great as he is, they can find their way to win games. Granted, again, they've had the, they had the good fortune and Atlanta's misfortune of not having Trey there on the other side. And, and they're dinged up on a number of levels, too. But you've got to take advantage of what's on the floor. And, and they were able to do that. And look, the insertion of Bobby Portis. I want to give him credit. He's a big man, too. He injects a lot of life off the bench and was able to do that with the starting unit last night. George, we wanted you to come on to talk NBA, and I don't even know if I've shared this with you, but we need to ask you an NFL question. Did I tell you that Randy and I are now officially Miami Dolphins fans, that Carriker and Smallman oh, is no. a Dolphins show? Yeah, so as you know, George, we do not have an NFL team in town, and so we did a segment trying to find a team. We put it up to a poll, and our listeners selected the Dolphins for us. So as a Miami guy, please give Randy and I a reason why we should be optimistic about the Dolphins and specifically about Tua this upcoming season? Well, I I just think Tua was coming back from a situation where he was, I mean, dealing with an unprecedented injury, basically. I mean, only one person has ever had an injury as similar to his, and it was Bo Jackson. And, you know, we know what his career went like, right? Now, granted, modern medicine, a lot of things have changed. Uh, Tua's strength is accuracy. And I, I don't feel like they had the weapons, particularly on the outside in the receiving core. They had probably one of the worst receiving cores in the league last year to allow him to not, I mean, he got the ball out to them, but 
you know, there wasn't much they could do with it. Now they've added um, certainly plenty of weapons uh, on the outside, and particularly Will Fuller. Uh, you know, they drafted one of his former teammates from Alabama, obviously. So they, and now you've got Devontae Parker as the number three receiver in, uh, in Miami, which is kind of better for his skill set. He's not a number one. I don't even think he's a number two. So now he slides into the number three role, uh, which helps them. And then, look, defensively, they're fantastic. <laughs> they're one of the best teams uh, in the NFL when it comes to defense. It's wild because there's not a lot of teams in Vegas whose numbers have risen this offseason as far as their over-under is concerned, and Miami's one of them. Because I think the smart money is saying Miami is going to be a playoff team this year because they believe in Tua's growth uh, and that he's going to have a, uh, a season where he's going to have a full training camp. Uh, he's bigger, he's stronger, and they've got players that can fit his skill set. You couple that with a great defense, all he needs to do is not turn the ball over, right? And that's something historically he's been very good at. He hasn't, he hasn't turned the ball over very much. So because of that, um, I like the Dolphins this year. I think the Dolphins will be a playoff team. Uh, they were close last year, and, and they're better this season. And outside of Buffalo, I don't know if the teams in their division have gotten better. So I think they've got a pretty good chance. The AFC isn't as deep as the NFC. So there you go. I think that that, that's reason to believe that they can be pretty good. Fridays and Mondays, lots of T-Pain on 101 ESPN in the morning as we play the Miami Dolphins song. There you go. I love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Hey, George, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for taking the time with us. We do appreciate it. We'll have to do this sooner than we have. We've been on the air for a year, and this this is, and we appreciate you getting up early in L.A. too, by the way. But uh, it's always great to have you on the show. Anytime, guys. Take care. Thanks, George. All right. Well, listen, I don't know if you heard, but there's two children knocking at my door that uh, <laughs> apparently need some tending to. Same segment over. You got it, George. <laughs> Take care. That is George Sedano of ESPN with us on 101 ESPN. The crossover with Danny Mac coming up with Character and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> The Dan McLaughlin Show with BK coming up here at the top of the hour on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy and Dan joins us in studio. Good morning. Good morning. Nolan Arnato, an all-star, no surprise, but great to have the Cardinals represented by him. Yeah, I, you know, you saw the reaction that he got last night being back at home and uh, looking forward to seeing him being part of the all-star game. It should be fun. What a great reaction for a guy who told us on opening day that he'd never gotten a curtain call mm-hmm. in Colorado. It was great to see them adore him. I find that hard to believe. There's got to be a curtain call You'd there. I think so. Uh, yeah, you would day think. hit for the cycle. With, with everything great that he's call. done in his career, that at some point he would have gotten that. Yeah. I thought there was tears welling up in his eyes. Um, looked like he was ready to cry in I the first so. at bat mm-hmm. and uh, got through it quickly. Um, 0 for 4 night. Cardinals had a chance to win the game. Wayno is Wayno. Uh, don't know where this club would be without him. Gave him a chance to win. 0-2 pitch. That was the one time I wanted a reliever to throw a ball this year. It might have been the one time. And it uh, didn't happen. And uh, they lose the game. And everything happens with two out. Gallegos gets the first two. And then it's Cardinals 2021. Walk, walk, boom. Yeah. And Diaz has been hot. Mentioned the numbers right before. So I guess I jinxed it. Um Mentioned the numbers that he had been swinging a hot bat. That was his third hit in the game last night. 
It's the home run. Cardinals lose, and now you got Oviedo. I, I really felt that was the game you had to win in the series. Just start the road trip out right. You got Avi- Oviedo going tonight. You don't know what you're going to get. The rest of the series, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, and it's just been that kind of year for the Cardinals. I said the same thing this morning, Dan. I said I didn't want to seem dramatic, but last night felt like a must-win game for me. When you, you're coming off the sweep of the Diamondbacks, you have a little bit of momentum going. Adam Wainwright is on the mound, who's been the stopper this season and historically has been great versus Colorado. He goes out there, he gives you the effort, you're in the position to win, and then you don't. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say must-win because we're like – not even yet to the 4th of July. So but I, just I, I would just say. I think about the state of the team, the opportunities there, and then knowing that you're going to face San Francisco and Chicago to close out the first half. I would just say it was an important one to win. You know what I mean? It, it just, they, they needed to win that game. Um, yeah. I mean, you got Wayno, he gives you eight. You can't muster up any other offense, and that's the way it goes. Cardinals obviously were 10 and a half back in 2011. The Mets in 87 were nine and a half behind the Cardinals and got to within a half game. You have to have consistent starting pitching to go on a run to overcome a deficit like the Cardinals face right now. Well, you start doing the numbers. So you're you're past the halfway point, and by the time you get to the All-Star break, you'll be at about 90, I think 91 games. Mm-hmm. So start doing the numbers. You you would have to go, oh boy. I mean, you're, you're talking about trying to be 15 to 20 above 500 to have a shot being eight or nine games back. Yeah. So you think about it in those terms. Now, you do have a lot of head-to-head, so you can get those swings. You have a lot of head-to-head with the Brewers. you got a lot of head-to-head with Chicago still. But having said that, it's not an easy task. Now, they've been good under Mike Schilt's second half. I wonder if Mike, and I <coughs> excuse me, thought this last night, there were times that he could have run and he didn't. When he first took over for Mike Matheny, he kind of went went for broke. They had nothing to lose. And I wonder if he's going to go that way. I mean, when you get Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond, Tyler O'Neill on, what do you have to lose? You know go. who can still run? Goldman or Goldschmidt can still run a little bit. Fine, he's Let been a guy that stole twenty bases in a season, stole thirty one year. Yeah. So um, I, I would go for broke. You got yeah, nothing to not? lose. You know what I mean? And you have to. I I just think that it, at this point in the season, you go for broke. You put pressure on the opposition. Mm-hmm. No one runs. Why not try something out of the, outside Great. the box? Bunt, hit and run. Yep. And if it doesn't work, fine. And I think the fan base, I honestly believe the fan base would rather watch that and not see it work than waiting for the three-run homer. I, I really do. I agree. One thing I didn't see coming was Milwaukee being this effective. I, I knew that Cole and Woodruff and Peralta all had ability. Not Cole, but... Uh, Burns. Burns. Cor- Corbin Burns. But they've found themselves this year and those three and then their offense is better than I thought it'd be. Have you guys looked at the numbers of games lost by the Milwaukee Brewers to injury? So when we talk about how the Cardinals I think last night was either the fourth or the fifth game that they have had their what would have been their projected opening day lineup. So obviously they've been dealing with injuries. The Flaherty injury is huge. KK being out a couple of times is big. But as it pertains to Milwaukee they have dealt with a massive amount of injuries. They found a way. And when they went out and got Willie Adamas, that changed their season. Now, you can look in June and say that they beat up on lesser teams. About, I think it was something like 13 or 14 of their wins came against lesser teams. But that's what they're supposed to do. Good teams do that. Cardinals have not done that. So when you start looking at what's happened this season, they have dealt with the injuries. They addressed the shortstop position. 
Adamas has become a very good player for them. We'll see if it carries for the entire season. And they beat up on the teams they're supposed yep. to. So we'll see if it carries over to the second half. Looking forward to the Danny Mac show. Drew Goodman, the voice of the Rockies, will be our guest. I want to get his perspective on seeing Nolan come back yep. to uh, Denver. And have a happy fourth. You too, guys. Have a great weekend. Great job by Emily Butcher, our producer engineer. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You as well. And Michelle, enjoy that burger. Thank you. I'll see you on Tuesday. Yep. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and texting in and being a part of the show. We do have a best of show Monday. So for all of us, until Tuesday morning at 7, have a great holiday weekend, St. Louis.